Driver for Fan for Racing, NASCAR and Race Talk Review of Talladega and Roseville. This is Monday night, October the 14th, and joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Segala. And uh, just to give you an overview of our show here tonight, uh, when Sal comes on, we'll try to give uh, a few minutes of uh, our highlights from the Canon Pro Series West race. Uh, at uh, All-American Speedway in Roseville, California. So definitely looking forward to talking to Sal about that. At 8.40, the winner of that race, Jager Jones with Sunrise Ford Racing, will be online with us, and we'll talk to him about getting his first victory uh, at Roseville at All-American Speedway. And uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun to talk again with Jager and catch up with him. Uh, Then at 9 o'clock, Sal and I will get into the truck series race at Talladega. We'll do a review of that race. At 9.15, we'll do a review of the cup series race at Talladega uh, that took place just today. And then uh, at 9.30, our guest is Rick DeLong. Uh, and he'll be coming on, Rich DeLong, he'll be coming along from DeLong Motorsports to talk about winning the championship at Irwindale Event Center uh, in the NASCAR Wheel and All-American Series. So uh, we'll look forward to talking with him. At 9.50, Sal and I will kind of wrap up any loose ends with regard to our race review of the weekend, and then at 10 o'clock, We'll get into the NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with Andy Lasky. So uh, it'll be a full night here on Banff Racing Radio, and uh, definitely looking forward uh, to chatting with everyone uh, about that. Now, to get into, oh, here's our co-host, Sal Segala now. Let me bring him into the queue, and uh, we'll get uh, his thoughts. Hey, Sal, how you doing? Hey, how are you doing, Sharon? Good. Thank you. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it and uh, glad to have you on board here. Uh, we'll do the review here real quick of the Canon Pro Series West race at uh, All-American Speedway in Roseville. Jager Jones is the winner, and we'll have him uh, online here with us in about six minutes. Uh, any thoughts about Jager Jones' win there? Yeah, you know, it, um, he was he's, he's been due for a win. He, he's had a few second place finishes yeah. this season already. You know, some close runner runner ups. You know that that should have been it should have been his. You know, of course, some the, his very first start as a rookie in the season was at Vegas on the dirt track, and that race was I I happened to be there, and I really thought he was going to win that race. But he's really a, a heck of a talent, and uh. You know what? Talking to him when I see him at Irondale, you know, I told him it was just a matter of time before he finally got his win. And unfortunately, I didn't make it to Roseville this year, and, and of course, I missed his first win. But still, it was, uh, you know, very exciting to, uh, you know, to see you know that that he finally got his first win before the end of the season. Yes, indeed. Uh, Jager Jones in the number six for Sunrise Ford uh, won at All American Speedway. Uh, and in second place was Haley Deegan in the number 19 for Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, another Sunrise Ford driver in the number nine of Trevor Huddleston finished third. Derek Krause, 
Uh, the points leader is uh, in fourth place, and Todd Souza in the number 13 car rounds out that top five uh, there at All-American Speedway. As far as the point standings, as I mentioned, Derek Krause is still in the lead. Uh, he now has he still has that 40-point lead over Trevor Huddleston now in second. Jager Jones is now in third place at 41 points back, and Haley Deegan in fourth place at 44 points back. So it's still really tight between second and fourth going into Kern uh, Raceway. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tight points battle, but it's almost um, with the with the the car counts make a make a big difference on how the points are going to be spread out. And unfortunately, you mm-hmm. know what? Um, you know, it almost looks like uh, like Derek has a championship already you know already wrapped up. I mean, still anything can yeah, happen. Yeah, but positions two through four. I'm talking well, about positions two through four. Oh yeah. No, I know. I'm just talking about the whole, the whole, the whole point setting as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about. Derek has got it wrapped up without a doubt. Uh, he's it's 40 points out. I know. Well, but he's, you got to remember when we get to he can he can DNF it at Phoenix. I mean at Kern, and then we, when we get to Phoenix, we're gonna they're, they're gonna have, they're gonna have a full field of cars. So I mean that and I that the, the deciding race is really gonna is really going to Kern. But yeah, he he. He can still lose it. He hasn't, he hasn't locked it up yet. And well, also it depends on what kind of car count we get at Kern. Right, right. That's true. We'll see what happens. But he's 40 points ahead right now. And uh, yeah. with less than that, uh, Sam Mayer was able to wrap it up fairly easily. He was only 30 points out and uh, won yeah, the but, championship but you, at you, this point. you got to remember, too, Sharon, their last race is going to have nearly the car count that we're going to get at Phoenix. You know, and like I said, with, okay. with each with each car, that's an extra point. So, okay. I mean, well, we'll see what happens. Should be interesting. But really, yeah, the oh, yeah. point that I was trying to make is that positions two through four, there's only four points between them. That's the point I was really trying to make, and that's oh, where okay. the real battle is going to take yeah. place is between those those positions two through four, because those points are so tight that that could still shake up considerably with two races left. Oh, yeah, it, it, and, and it will shake up because, you know, like I said, when we get to Phoenix, none of these drivers have driven Phoenix except for Derek Krause. He's the only, him and Todd Suso are the only two that will probably be from the West Series that have ever raced at Phoenix. Um, all the other drivers never have. Um, Derek Krause raced a truck there at Phoenix. And Todd Sousa with mm-hmm. the with the um, with the um, experience that he's had the years he's been running. Todd Sousa was part of the old um, Can-Am series when we used to run. We used to start the season at Phoenix and end it at Phoenix. But right. the big difference with Todd Sousa is that now with the reconfiguration, you know what he's going to be like a newer newcomer there as compared to Derek Kraus, who raced the first the the, the first race of the season. At Phoenix, he raced the truck there. Right, right. And, and you know, the thing is, is that Derek Krauss has put up some really good numbers this year. His average finish is 4.3. His average start is 4.2. Uh, in 12 races, he's only got one race that's been outside of the top ten. Four wins, 
and one pole with nine top fives. So he's got some pretty good stats uh, for this season. Uh, and these next two races are going to be pretty exciting. But I'm so happy for Jager Jones uh, getting that victory there at um, All-American Speedway this weekend for Sunrise Ford. I know he's been knocking on that door uh, all season long. And as a rookie, uh, I'm, I'm happy, as you mentioned, that he was able to do that uh, before the season was out. Yeah, he's he's had a really good rookie uh, rookie season. I mean, he's 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 got um he's got the rookie of the year already locked you know locked in. You know, as far as that award, he'll have that one. But um, you know, I'm sure you know he's going to be he's going to be gunning you know for another win, especially at Kern. You know, he's won at Kern before. So um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's going to be uh, you know, but as far as though as far as the rookie of the year, I mean, he 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 already has it locked. Okay. Well, joining us now is the winner at All-American Speedway in the Canon Pro Series West, Jager Jones with Sunrise Ford Racing. Uh, welcome to the show, Jager, and congratulations on your victory this weekend. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the congratulations. Well, Jager, we were just saying you've been knocking on the door all season long of getting that victory uh, talk about your thoughts uh, as you're coming to the finish line, and and what this mean mean what this win means to you. Yeah, for sure. I was just I was happy with that final restart um, with 20 laps to go, and then to be able to hold off um, Haley coming from behind. So uh, we just I had to you know I had to put down 20 good laps, and then those last two I had a a little bit of a lead, and I knew I just couldn't make any mistakes and. Uh, I was able to just just hit my marks um, those last couple laps, and uh, I was super stoked crossing the finish line. Um, like you said, just being so close many times this year uh, to get the win, to finally get the win, and park it in victory lane. Just it felt awesome to to get Bob and Cotty, my team owner, and our whole Sunrise Four team a win this year. Um, was really our goal at the beginning of the season to achieve that. Uh, this weekend was super cool. Well, definitely so. And uh, to do it with family and friends there uh, is always special as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually was that out of all the races this year, uh, it was one of the only ones my mom or my dad weren't there because uh, my oh, dad really? was off racing in, in Mexico. Um, they raced the Nora 500 this weekend, and my mom was in Vegas with my brother. So, um, so yeah, it was, it's funny, but they were, I called them right after, uh, we finished up in victory lane and they were, um, as happy as you'd imagine. And, um, oh, just bad. that moment was cool and being able to share with the team and, uh, my crew chief, Bill, Bob, uh, my spotter, Ryan, all the, the guys that work on the car. So, um, to be able to share that with them too, was, was super cool. Now, Jagger, uh, Sal was telling us you've won at Kern County Raceway before. That's the next race coming up here for the K&N Pro Series West, the last race before the season finale at Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is kind of a home track for you, so give us your thoughts about these next two races. Yeah, these are two races that I've had circled on, circled on the calendar all year. Um, Kern, like you said, is uh, probably my best track I've ever raced at. I've had um, I think I, I won five five or six late model races that last year there 
in the championship. So I have a lot of laughs there, a lot of good experience, a lot of good results. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, to get back on that racetrack. It's probably one of my favorites. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I think we'll be really competitive there and have a real, another good chance to win. Um, and then Phoenix down in ISM Raceway uh, two weeks after Kern. I'm looking forward to that, being able to race in my hometown of Phoenix. It's been uh, five or so years since I've raced in in Phoenix um, where I live. That, that dates all the way back to go-kart racing. So um, I'll have, hopefully I'll have a lot of fam- family and friends out there, um, which will be super cool to watch the season finale. Um, and then for the track, though, I've, I've never um, drove anything there out at ISM Raceway. I've only uh, been watching, the, well, I've been watching since I was a kid. And it's just super cool that nine-year-old me standing there watching the cup race, um, I don't think would have realized that at 17 years old, I'd be be racing there. So I'm I'm super excited for that, um, especially with all the memories that I have there of uh, going to the races with my dad and uh, my family, watching the cup races and being able to meet and talk to um, a lot of NASCAR drivers and a lot of people I look up to there and just kind of experiencing um, the whole, my dream as a kid, uh, a lot of that happened right there. Um, since it's so close to us and we go about every year we can out to the track as long as it doesn't conflict with my racing schedule so now to be able to race there that's super cool (laughs) oh that is super cool and and like you say it's on the it's on the national stage with with uh you know all of the series uh nascar's top three series racing there that weekend as well and uh it's going to be so much fun and, and like you say, a dream come true to be able to race there after watching so many races there as a kid. Now, joining us now is our co-host, Sal Segala, and I know he has some questions for you as well. So, Sal, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. All right. First of all, Jagger, congratulations. I know that we've talked about this. This is a win that was way, way long overdue. Yeah, it was for sure. I, I can agree with that. I, I, I mean I mean your your um your uh talent and I know we've talked about it me and your mom have talked about it too, is just amazing, you know, you know, for you to be able to come out, you know, especially the first race of the season on dirt. I actually thought you had that race won and there was a couple more in between, you know, barring, you know, some of the incidents, you know, that's happened with other drivers, you know. But putting all that aside, I mean, you know what, you've always kept your composure, you know, you've always been you know, a, a real, like you say, you know, a real gentleman on the track, you know, as far as, you know, the way you treated other drivers, the way you treated media, the way you just uh, handle yourself out there. It's amazing at 17 years old, you know, to see how mature you are out there. Yeah, well, thank you for that. That's something that I um, definitely try to focus on, especially in a, a sport that's so uh, media and sponsorship based dependent on. So um, it's something that I, I focus on and work at and, um, it's a, definitely a compliment to hear that, so thank you. You know, let's, let's, let's talk about coming down to the final laps, you know, when you know you're ahead and, you know, and you know dating's back there again, you know, and just kind of, you know, what was going through your mind, you know, so let's go like the last five laps. Um, I was just in the moment, in the heat of the moment, um, at least for me, I'm just so focused, uh, not really – no matter who's behind me, just to try to put a little bit of a lead, try to just cushion myself the best. Um, So, because I know 
a lot of these West drivers are not afraid to take take you out or use the bumper. So um, my main goal was to just hit my marks. I knew um, if I could just get the car uh, rotated and go through the center, then I would be able to beat them, drive off, because that's where we've been really strong. Um, that's where we were really strong all week and all race and really all years been driving off the corners, um, which is huge um, on a short track like that. So I was just trying to make sure all my my strengths, I didn't miss anything, didn't make any mistakes. Um, and then the, about right when I crossed the finish line, that's when everything hit. Like you, I won, I did it um, to get my first win. Um, I was super pumped for that. But those final few laps, it was all focused because um, one mistake and it could be over. So I uh, just got to keep going. Um, and then, what, like I said, once you cross the finish line there, that's when you start, that's when, at least for me, when I start celebrating, start uh, start kind of realizing uh, that I just won. What were some of the things that, that you and your crew chief talked about, you know, before the weekend began, <clears throat> knowing that Roseville All-American Speedway is, is one of the small, you know, it's one of the bull rings on the, on the circuit, and it's known, you know, for, you know, aggressive driving, it's known for, you know, basically a, a, a wreck fest, you know, with tons and tons of yellow flags, you know, so I'm sure there's something that you and uh, you and Bill Segwick, you know, talked about. Bill knows that track. I mean, he's been around, you know, racing, you know, for, gosh, for who knows how many years. Yeah, for sure. And it's, that's Bill and Bill Segwick, my crew chief, and Ryan Partridge having so much experience. Um, at a lot of these racetracks has been super um, crucial to to me and um, our speed we've had because a lot of these races on the schedule um, to me at this this going into them this year are just just a name on the schedule I mean I've never been to to the racetrack before this weekend so um, like a lot of these these racetracks it's show up there Friday it's the first time I've ever seen the place so it's really important to to talk with them before kind of hear their advice and watch race videos. So um, Bill told me to go watch 2017 race video when uh, Michael Self won for, for Sunrise because he said he drove the race perfect. So um, if we could try to be anything like that, then um, try to go study that. So I did that, um, helped me a lot. And then just kind of hearing their advice on what we need in the car, um, what they expect the track will be like for the, for the race. And, uh, just kind of, kind of banking off them a lot. And then just me giving them feedback so that we can put all of our ideas and thoughts together to make the car go as fast as it can go. Yeah. You know what? And I'll tell you, um, between Bill and Ryan, you know, that that's a lot of, you know, a lot of experience right there, you know, on a, you know, on a, on a good, uh, you know, um, you know, a lot of good coaching right there. And with that, Jagger, you know what? I want to just congratulate you once again on the win. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks at Kern. And uh, you know what? Uh, just keep uh, keep pushing. And with that, yeah, we'll, we'll turn it over to Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show. And hopefully I'll be back uh, one of these next couple weeks when uh, hopefully we'll be able to get ourselves another win or two. Yeah, we're hoping that that's the case, Jager, especially uh, with your experience there at Kern County Raceway. Um, Jager, I wanted to just kind of ask you a couple more questions here with regard to winning. Uh, you, you, you're the highest finishing rookie, and it looks like you're going to 
you know, have that pretty well locked up. Your thoughts about being the rookie of the year this season and and you kind of answered this question already, but just in case there's something else that you want to add to it, what is the biggest thing that you've learned in your first year with the Canon Pro Series? Yeah, so first answering the question about the rookie, it's super cool to have, I think, it, I don't know exactly the math of it, but I think if I am able to start both in the next races, which is going to happen, then I should be able to have that locked up. So that's super cool to accomplish um, going into the season. That was one of the goals that I had, um, and I think we all had as a team. So to be able to to pretty much make that happen is super cool. And then um, I've definitely learned a lot over the season. I think that that what experience um, has really helped, um, kind of just knowing what to expect in these races. Um, driving a full body stock car is a lot different than a late model. Um, it's one thing to be fast in practice, but it's another thing to be fast and um, competitive at the end of the races. So that's been huge um, for me to learn. And I think that's really where me as a driver, I've grown this year is just really knowing um, how, what to expect um, in the car and what to expect the races to be like. Um, and then just really just knowing when to give and take uh, to get to the finish and setting myself up for, for a win. And that's what I was able to, to really accomplish. I think this weekend was just not making any mistakes early. Um, just keeping the nose clean, staying, staying out front and then, uh, really putting, putting the power down when the, when it matters that final restart, because it seems like, uh, we pretty much every race we have a caution with about 20 to go. So I was expecting it. Um, so I think just minor things like that really add up to uh, help me win. And those are things that I didn't have at the beginning of the year. And I think I've, I've improved and we've improved as, as a team. Um, also uh, the relationship between me and Bill and Ryan, I think has grown a lot since the beginning of the season. I think we, we kind of are all on the same page a lot more than we were at the beginning of the year, which is, which is a natural thing. Um, just, working together and the more experience we have together, the better um, we get. And that's why I'm really looking forward to these final two races. Okay. Now, do you know if you're going to be back with uh, Sunrise Ford next season? Um, I do not have any plans um, for next year at the moment. So I cannot answer that question. Okay. Well, we hope, uh, like you say, if you have another win and you come back, <laughs> and we'll get a chance to talk to you with you uh, maybe at the end of the season or beginning of next season and find out. Uh, but how can fans follow you, Jager, so that uh, they can keep up with what's next for you? Yeah, for sure. The best uh, places to follow me are Instagram and Facebook. Um, Jagger Jones, pretty pretty simple to, to find me in this day and age on there. And also on Twitter um, is a great place I love to, to post on. So, all of those places. And then if you're in the area, come out to Kern County, October 26th, I think I'd say on Saturday, we'll be racing there. And then in the Phoenix area, November 9th. So, um, and that's the NASCAR weekend. So um, yeah, I love, love my fans and love, hopefully I love when they can come and see me race in person, or if not, just follow me on social media. Okay. Now also, 
Uh, fans can watch this race, the Napa Auto Parts Annual 150, uh, on NBC Sports Network this Thursday, October the 17th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, if you want to see Jagger Jones win, uh, that's the place to be on, on Thursday night. And uh, if you can't be there for it, set the DVR right now so that you can catch all the action. Jagger, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, we hope we do get a couple more chances to talk to you before the season's out. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Thank both of you guys for having me on. It was a pleasure. Okay, same here. And uh, good luck at Kern County Raceway in uh, Phoenix. Thank you. All right. Uh, That is Jagger Jones with uh, Sunrise Ford Racing, the winner this weekend at All-American Speedway in the Cannon Pro Series West. Uh, Always a great interview with Jagger Jones. uh, Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, especially when he wins, you know. And even when he doesn't win, you know what? Really a nice, very, very polite person around the track. I mean, just amazing you know, his upbringing, you know, and, um, you know, I'm sure a lot, of, you know, you can thank his parents, you know, for that. And, you know, and look all the way back to his grandpa, you know, um, Parnelli Jones. But even mm-hmm. when we had Jace, his brother on the show, his brother was the same way. You know, it's almost like they're twins, even though they're years apart. But the <laughs> family is just, they're, I know, they're just, they're really a joy to be around the track, Sharon. They're, they're a hoop. And um, I'll tell oh, you what, awesome. very, very well brought up. Yeah, very well brought up, very, very respectful. And, um, you know, I just I just wish the both of them, both Jace and Jagger, you know, best of luck, you know, in the, in the upcoming years. I did get a chance to meet Jagger, uh, Jagger at that uh, Iowa Speedway this year. And you're right, he's a very um, uh, pleasant uh, fellow and uh, uh, a really good uh, conversation when you talk with Jagger Jones. And, uh, you know, I really think, uh, based on his experience at uh, Kern County Raceway, uh, that he's going to put on a good show there uh, for sure this weekend. And I I love the story of him being a young boy at nine years of age and uh, being in the stands watching the races with his kids and never imagining that uh, at 17 he'd be out there racing on that track. So uh, he's got to be looking forward to doing that when uh, when the Phoenix race comes up as well, uh, that's pretty special. Oh yeah, and the current race is going to be awesome because it's going to be together with the SRL Southwest Tour Series. So you're going to mm-hmm. see two two great races. You're going to see the Canon West race, and you're going to see the uh, the Spears SRL Southwest Tour race. So it's going to they're both going to be uh, really good shows. Without a doubt, without a doubt. All right. I always look forward to uh, chatting with him, and uh, he's got a couple more chances at a couple more wins. Now that he's got the first, the next ones come easy, right, Sal? (laughs) That's that's usually the protocol for it. So we'll see we'll see what happens when he gets to uh, Kern, because I I I know uh, I know that Derek Krause is going to have something to say about that because Derek likes to win there too. So yes. You know we're gonna see uh we're gonna see a, a good uh we're gonna see a good battle. Plus it's a it's a bigger track, a wider track, so we won't we probably won't see the bumping and banging that we normally see like at like at a Roseville that we see at a 
you know, at, at some of the smaller bull rings they race at, you know, so it, it, you know, it should be a little bit more spread out racing. And then this is a lot faster track than Roseville. So it's, it's going to get them fun, prepped. Though. Yeah. It's going to get them prepared for when they get to the one mile track at uh, Phoenix. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. With that, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, truck series race that took place out at uh, Talladega Super Speedway this weekend. Uh, a little bit of a surprise there. Uh, we thought at first that Johnny Sauter may have won the race, but it turned out that he didn't. Uh, I actually went back and watched the end of that race, especially after the race today. Uh, I wanted to make sure I understood what the difference was between what happened in the truck race and what happened in uh, the cup race today. And uh, uh, Spencer Boyd uh, did end up being the winner of the 14th Annual Sugarland Shine 250. It was his first victory in 23 Gander Outdoor Truck Series races. And what happened is Johnny Sauter forced Riley Earps below the line, and both of them had all four tires below the line. And because of all four tires being below that line, uh, NASCAR felt like it wasn't a close call. It was a pretty blatant call. They were forced into making the call uh, on the penalty for Johnny Slaughter and uh, subsequently for uh, Riley Herbst, even though he was kind of forced down there by uh, Johnny Slaughter. Um, and so that gave the win then to Spencer Boyd at the age of 24 and his crew chief buddy, Cisco. So it was his first victory and second top ten finish this season. It was his first victory and first top ten finish in two races at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, Todd Gilliland was second. He posted his first top ten finish in two races at Talladega. And it was his 12th top ten finish this season. Riley Erbst in third place posted his first top ten finish in one race at Talladega Super Speedway. What a great finish for Riley in his first race there. Uh, Tyler Ankrum finished seventh. He was the highest finishing rookie. And then uh, Brett, Brett Moffat, of course, still leads the series point standings. Uh, but uh, in fifth place, I just want to hit uh, the fifth place driver was Stuart Friesen, uh, rounding out the top five there. The next five were Austin Hill, Tyler Ankrum, Pat, Matt Crafton, Sheldon Creed, and Grant Infinger round out the top ten drivers there. Any thoughts about that, uh, the end of that race, Sal? Yeah, you know, going back, you know, and, and, you know, watching it and see what happens, you know, that, you know, of course, you know, NASCAR, you know, you know, said the race was under review and looking at what happened today, I think had Johnny Sauter hit Riley and went back up the track, I think they would have let it go because that's right. what they were talking about with Ryan Newman. Cause when Ryan Newman hit, um, hit Ryan Blaney, you know, they kind of, they both, yeah, they both went down, but then Ryan Newman kind of went up and he gave Blaney a chance to come back up into the track. And the right, and Blaney did not Sauter, advance his position until after yeah. he got back on the track. Yeah, but, but I think the thing was, was that, was that Newman moved, you know, right away shot back up the track, you know, gave him room as to where Sauter just Get pinched Riley Herbs all the way down and, you know, and, and never gave Riley a chance to, you know, I, I think had Sauter done the same the same exact thing that Newman did, I don't think they would have penalized him. I think they would have said, you know what, you know, they both went down, you know, Sauter came up, you know, gave gave Herbs, you know, a chance to, you know, 
make a run. But either way, you know, so it's it's already over with, you know. So I mean, it's, it's water under the bridge. But um, you know, it was it was it was some good racing. You know, I would have I would have liked to see Riley Herbst get the win. I would have liked to see both drivers stay above the line. You know, and race all the yeah. way to the end. You know, see and see where it was where you know how it was going to play out. But as we've seen, that wasn't the that wasn't the case. So you know, you just got to take it for what it is. But it was still a good run yeah. by um, you know by Riley. You know, this is his first start in a truck, and the um, on a super speedway. Yeah. I, after the race, uh, Scott Miller, the co- director of competition, uh, did make some comments, and in his comments, he was said that uh, because both. All four tires were below the line with both cars uh, that they had to make the call. It wasn't, uh, you know, just a little bit over the line. It was the whole car was over the line. So uh, they really had to make that call, and it kind of left them no choice. And he said Sauter actually did two things. He forced a competitor below the line, and two, he had all four tires below the line. So that was kind of a double whammy, I guess, for Johnny Sauter in that particular case. In the Ryan Blaney case, he did go below the line. He came right back up. Like you say, Newman gave him the room, but he did not advance his position while he was below the line. He he actually made the advance after he came back on the track and above the line. You know what? You also got to look at the fact that that Sauter and Herbst were more closer to the finish line than what than what um, Newman yeah. and uh, and uh, Blaney were so, so they had a chance, you know, to, you know, to shake it out. To get up the above. thing between, yeah, yeah the thing between um, Sauter and uh, Herbst was they were so close to the line that you know they couldn't. Because even Newman said he goes when he turned around and seen everybody wrecking, he was in front and he thought they were going to call the race right then and there. This was after this was after the bump. Right, right. Yeah, I heard him saying that in the post race interview. So, anyway, it was an exciting race, to say the least. Uh, The leader, Ross Castaigne, had crashed uh, just before that uh, and took the blame for it, which was uh, uh, interesting. He said he he went up to block, and that's when when it all happened. So, uh, the number two car of Sheldon Creed actually won the first stage. The 52 with uh, Friesen won the second stage. And, of course, uh, it ends up to Spencer Board winning Spencer Boyd winning the race. There were seven uh, seven caution flags for 29 laps and 24 lead changes among 15 drivers. That's pretty amazing. You want to go over the points report, Sal? Yeah, the points were um, points after after this Talladega race was uh, Brett Moffitt. Still leading the points. Uh, Stuart Friesen in second, Austin Hill third, and Matt Crafton in fourth. <clears throat> now, from there we go down to uh, we go down to Tyler Akram in fifth, Ross Chastain in sixth, Johnny Sauter in seventh, and Grant Infinger is the the last driver in the in the eighth spot. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, actually, when we get to uh, they're in the round of six now, Sal. Yeah, the round of six. Yeah, that's right. So Ankrum and Chastain are the two bubble drivers right now below yeah. the line. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be it's going to be interesting. There's there's a uh, there's there there's the points gap between 
sixth and first isn't I mean it's a lot, but um the points gap between really third, fourth and third, fourth, fifth and sixth is the one that, that's really gonna be the uh you know, is gonna be the game changer for this next round. Yeah, between Matt Crafton and fourth and Ross Chastain and sixth it's two points <clears throat> that separate them. So yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, between those three drivers in particular, Austin Hill, 33 points back, uh, adds another 10 points to it. It's a total of 12 points if you add Austin Hill in there. But, yeah, this is going to be quite a battle at this next race. Uh, Their next race is actually going to be, I think they're off this next week at Kansas. It's just the uh, uh, Xfinity and the uh, Cup Series this weekend at Kansas, but the Gander Outdoor Truck Series will be back on track for Martinsville. So uh, that's going to be quite a race. Yeah, it is. You know, and actually, the, the thing that, that's going to hurt Tyler Akram going into the next round is his playoff points. He only has five. And Moffat has 34, yeah. Friesen has 15, Austin has 17, Chastain has 16, and Crafton has 11. So those five yeah. playoff points are really gonna they're gonna they're gonna hurt the anchor Tory. He's almost gonna need a win, you know, depending on how the other drivers are, you know, to get to the net to get to the to get to, to the next round. Yes, and the next round of course in this case is the uh, final four at Homestead Miami and that will be determined at ISM Raceway at Phoenix. Uh now just as a programming note uh, we tried to get uh, Spencer Boyd for tonight's show. He was not available because he's racing the Cup Series race today at Talladega Super Speedway, so he's traveling right now and was not able to be on the show. But uh, we were able to schedule him for the show for Thursday night, so we will be able to talk with uh, Spencer Boyd on Thursday night uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on our preview show uh, but we'll get his thoughts about winning at Talladega Super Speedway uh, on that show. So just uh, so everybody knows that they can look forward to hearing from Spencer Boyd uh, this Thursday night. That's good. So it's going to be a, uh, a good show there on Thursday. Yeah, we're looking forward to it uh, for sure. Um and uh, like I say, we did try to get him for tonight, Sal, but uh, with the with the race delayed till uh, today, it uh, just was logistically not possible for him to be on tonight. Okay, so any other thoughts that you wanted to bring up with regard to the truck race? No, that was really about it. You know, just uh, you know, just of course, you know, everybody was talking about the finish. You know, and uh, yeah. You know, with them, you know, penalizing um, Johnny Sauter, you know, putting him to the, you know, to the back of the, you know, to the back where, you know, the, all the lead lap cars were, you know, and then, of course, you know, finished by Todd Gillen, and, you know, to grab, well, technically third, but they gave him a second place finish, you know, and uh, it's just uh, going to see what happens, you know, these last, you know, few races, you know, with the trucks, he was going to walk away with that championship. Yes, it is. It's going to be very interesting and and I think very exciting for the fans to watch these races that are coming up uh, for the truck series. It'll be Martinville next and then ISM Raceway uh, at Phoenix 
and those are the last two races before the uh, championship four at Homestead, Miami. And uh, these guys uh, have put on a great show, I think, all season long. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them as the season winds down. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the uh, Cup Series race that took place today. Uh, wow. I was on the edge of my seat, Sal. I don't know if you you probably did. You get a chance to watch it? Yeah, I got a chance. I didn't. I didn't. Luckily, I'd have to go into work until until five o'clock this tonight. Race so was, I was able to watch the race. This, this race was intense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I was so worried for everybody because it just with the blocking that they're doing now, it just makes the race very very. I think. I don't know if exciting is the word. In some cases, I think it's hazardous, but uh, it had me on the edge of my seat. Uh, let me put it that way. Ryan Blaney is the winner at age 25 in his number 12 for Team Penske. Uh, Jeremy Bowens is his crew chief. He won the 51st annual 1000Bulbs.com 500. It was his third victory in 157 Cup Series races. It's also his first victory in 15th top 10 finish this year and his first victory in third top 10 finish in 11 races at Talladega. Ryan Newman in second place posted his 15th top 10 finish in 36 races at Talladega and it is his 12th top 10 finish in 2019. I thought he had it won there for a minute. Uh, Denny Hamlin was third. He posted his 11th top 10 finish in 28 races at Talladega, Matt Tifton, 13th place, was the highest finishing rookie. Denny Hamlin now leads the series point standings by eight points over Martin Truex Jr. And uh, just to give you an idea of uh, how the top ten roll here um, and rounding out the top five, you have uh, uh, Denny Hamlin in third, Eric Amarola in fourth, Michael McDowell finished fifth, Austin Dillon, Corey LaJoy, Chase Elliott, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Ty Dillon round out the top ten in the Monster Energy Cup Series. This was a race of attrition. Sal? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I was just saying, this this race was a race of attrition. A lot of drivers were out in a couple of big ones. <clears throat> yep, there were some big ones out there that did take a lot of the chase drivers out, you know, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of carnage and exactly you know, it, it shook up, um, yeah, shook, shook up the points. It definitely shook up the points. Let's go ahead and go over the points uh, since you brought <clears throat> that up. Let's let's talk about the points and and how that ends up. <clears throat> Yeah, we got Denny Hamlin now leading the leading the pack in first. Martin Truex Jr. in second, and Kyle Busch in third. And then going down to fourth, it's uh, Kevin Harvick in the top five is Brad Keselowski, who got caught up in that in that last wreck. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he was going to try and win this race. And then sixth is Joey Logano. Seventh, Kyle Larson. Eighth is uh, Alex Bowman. Ninth, Ryan Blaney. 10th, Chase Elliott, 11th, Cliff Boyer, and, and rounding out the top 12 is uh, William Byron, who was also caught up in a, in a big wreck. Um, 
Joey Logano made a good comeback. I think he finished 15th after. Oh, I thought it was 11th. Let me look at that again. Was it 11th? Yeah, he I did thought, make I an amazing it. comeback. Let me look at it again here. Yeah, his I car is up TV in the air about ready to go over. Yeah, it's 11th. Yeah, it is 11th. Yeah, his car, uh, his car is up in the air getting ready to uh, – Getting ready to go to go over and and uh, you know they brought into the into the pit area you know made a couple you know made some uh, you know it repairs went from and, uh, got him out silver. there yeah <laughs> and uh, boy he had that big old hole in the side of it you know from where the from where the tire where the tire gave him issues but you know he still pulled it out it was uh it was a good run for Joey and you know he still sold on at sixth place but. Um, you know, you start going down farther than that. You know, when you, like Clint Boyer and William Byron are the actually Blaney. Well, Blaney's got the win, so Blaney's on. Blaney's automatically in. Yeah, Blaney's are, are automatically in, and so yeah. is Kyle Larson. So those two actually yeah. move up to the top with their wins, um, and and uh, that's going to make it interesting because uh, that puts Denny Hamlin in third place then. Um, and then the drivers that are below the cutoff line now are um, Ryan Newman, Eric Almarola. Hold on. Do I have that right? Kurt Busch. It's Twelve drivers. Uh, no, it would be William Byron, Clint Boyer, Chase Elliott, and Alex Bowman is below the line now. Chase Elliott uh, actually ended up above the line with the fact that uh, uh, Brian Blaney won. So that moves him up, I guess. But Alex Bowman is below the line now. So that is a really big shake-up there. Uh, Ryan Blaney moves from being in the bottom four to being in the playoffs uh, for the next round, uh, and like I say, that pushes Alex Bowman below the cutoff line, and uh, so those guys are kind of in a must-win situation going into Kansas this weekend because that's the elimination round or elimination race. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be gunning for it, you know, trying to you know get to the next round, and it's gonna be ex- it's gonna be exciting, you know, to see. Uh, you know, as, as this round you know progresses and see what you know how everybody, you know how the race, how the race, how the race is going to go, and because uh, I think what you said we had Kansas, Kansas coming up as our next race. Kansas is the next race. After that, they could do uh, Martinsville, hold on, Texas, and then Phoenix. So yeah, the Kansas is the elimination race. The next round is is the next three races: Martinsville. Uh, Texas and Phoenix, and that Phoenix race will determine who the final four are going to be. Any any ventured guesses as to who you think that might be? The final you four. You know, yeah, I I think one of them you have to keep in there would be, of course, Kyle Busch. You know what he he hasn't really shown anything throughout the whole the whole uh, playoffs, but I yeah. think he's you know I think I think he's got something. You know, I, I think I think he has something, you know, brewing. You know, and uh, you know, like they say, you know, every driver you know have that one bad race. You know, where they, you know, kind of like a mulligan. And it seems mm-hmm. like 
the team just hasn't really clicked. So I, I, I have to go kind of with Kyle Busch, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick, and uh, Denny Hamlin is still, I mean, he had his issues today. You know, you see, he still mustered, you know, a good finish. Um, I mm-hmm. thought I'd never ever – I thought I would never ever say that Danny Hamlin could be a championship contender, but he's he's shown a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot this season. I mean, yeah, and um, you know, Truex just keeps getting lucky and lucky every week. I mean, it's like like he has a like he's the one that has the golden horseshoe because you know he he'll escape well, something. That wasn't or today. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, not today. But I mean, you're talking you're talking about the final four. Yeah, you the know. final four, yep. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You know, Truth has kind of seemed to, you know, to kind of get through, you know, everything. But I think that has well, to be the my two drivers who have the, the two drivers that have the most playoff points are Martin Truex Jr. at 42 and Kyle Busch with 46 playoff points. I think those playoff points are making the difference as to why they are where they are now. And I think that's going to help them as far as getting into that final four at Homestead, Miami. Uh, It's the next two that I think are kind of up in the air. And with Joey Logano, he's had two big mulligan days. He kind of saved today with that 11th place finish. Um, uh, But Denny Hamlin has been coming off strong during the playoffs, as has Kevin Harvick, I think, has had uh, some good runs during this playoff. So, my final four would be Harvick, Bush, Truex, and Hamlin, which I think are the same four that you said. Yeah, it's the same four. It's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, it'd be nice to see Brad in there, but um, yeah. I just don't think I don't think Brad's going to make it. You know, and I know they talked about Blaney today. You know what? Just because he has the win doesn't make him a championship contender. You know, he needs to show a little bit more. But then that's also coming from Michael Waltrip, so. None of that you can really take to heart. You know, you got to just, you got to go on your own, you know. He's, right. Uh, you know, he's, he's, well, he's not bad what he does, but I, I just, I, I just, I don't, I don't think kind of what he said about Blaney is true either. You know, he just showed a little bit more. I mean, the, the guy won at Talladega, no matter how he won, he won a race. You know, he put himself right. in a position to win and he won it, you know. That's and correct. And he beat a veteran at that. He beat a veteran at Ryan yep. Newman. Yep, and he and he stayed out of the, all the mess ups, you know, all the mess that took place in those big big uh, mash ups. Uh, I will say, I think these next few races will really tell us a lot. We've got the short track of Martinsville. We've got the 1.5 mile track at Kansas. Uh, then you've got the one other 1.5 mile track at Texas, and the short track at Phoenix, uh, the one mile short track at Phoenix. So. Um, two short tracks and two 1.5-mile tracks left on the schedule. Uh, it's all going to come down to what happens at those racetracks uh, over these next few races. Uh, and I think that will tell us a lot uh, and give us a clearer picture of who's going to be in that Final Four at Homestead, Miami. And I still think there could be some surprises before it's all said and done. Yeah, there there could be. Like I said, there's there's still some drivers in there, you know, that can, you know, I mean, nobody expected Joey Logano last year to be the, you know, come out the champion, you know, but he said, you know, there's there's those three and then there's me. 
there's the big three and me, he said. <laughs> yep. And and that was true. Uh, it was the big three and Joey Logano, and he ended up being, uh, he beat the big three to win the championship. So that was pretty cool. All right. Uh, anything more? Let's see. There are a couple other points I guess I can bring up here about that Cup Series race. Uh, let me kind of give some more details here. Um I gotta go up. Okay, the 24 of William Byron won the first stage. The 14 of Clint Boyer won stage two. There were nine caution flags for 43 laps. 47. Did you hear that, Sal? 47 lead changes among 19 drivers at Talladega Super Speedway. That is incredible. Yeah, with all the shuffling and everything going on back and forth, back and forth, you know, and, you know, pit strategies and all that, you know, you got to expect, you know, those kind of lead changes, you know. Uh, you know it was, it was, it was, was making me nervous. <laughs> oh, I think he made everybody nervous. I, I think he even made himself nervous. Oh, my gosh. I could hardly sit in my seat watching watching those guys race. I don't know how they manage to keep their nerves in check when they're driving these races. These drivers have to go into Talladega with some part of them not really wanting to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You think about it. I mean, they're, you know, they're hurting. You know, well, and, and it's... Uh, it's just so easy to get caught up in a big wreck. Thank goodness Brendan Gaughan was okay after he yeah, that was, went head over heels. That was wild, right? Yes, yeah, that, it was. That was, that and was he definitely came, wild. He came out of the media center laughing, saying he might have to ask for permission <laughs> from his parents uh, to drive at Daytona. Um, but uh, he had smiles on his face, and uh, he made sure his mom knew that he was okay. Yeah, somebody said that he asked um, Ryan in, during a press conference, I guess afterwards, um, what it feels like to be airborne. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why would anybody ask that? Well, <laughs> I remember Ryan took a big tumble at Talladega one time. He went head over heels two or three times, if not more than that. So maybe, are you talking about Ryan Newman or Ryan Blaney? No, I'm talking about, uh, about, uh, Blaney. Brendan gone, huh? Yeah. No, no, no. I know it was Brendan gone that went up in the air, but I'm just saying there was a, there was a, there was a reporter that had asked what it was like to be up in the air. He asked Brendan gone. Oh, the reporter asked. Okay. Yeah, no, oh, no, 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 it wasn't Blaney. It was a re- no, it was a reporter during the press conference. Oh, they asked him what it was like to be up, okay, what it was like to be up there, and I'm thinking, who would ask something like that? Well, <laughs> you know, they they're they're looking for the story, Sal. You got to remember that. But that's they not even they're a, looking for a story. I know that's not. Even, I know that's not even a story though. That's just. I mean, <laughs> this is from a from a season, supposedly a season, you know, media person. I mean. You know, I mean, would you ask him that? I probably oh, would, would not I ask know. him that. But 
I know, but, I know you wouldn't ask him. I know you, I, you probably wouldn't even interview him because he, you probably would have been uh, with the winner, interviewing <laughs> the winners. You well, know, anyway, I'm just third place. Uh, especially Newman. I'm surprised Newman didn't get a lot more interviews because that guy has really been, he's been a spark this whole season, you know. Yeah, well, he comes alive during these playoffs. He wanted yeah. that win. You could tell he was going after it. And I, for oh, a minute yeah. there, I thought he had it. And especially for the team he's driving for, you know, the car that he took over, you know, I mean, Roush Fenway really yep. hasn't been the, they haven't really been the cream of the crop this year, you know, but Ryan Newman sure did show, you know, that they have, they have some, some spunk, you know, they have, they have yeah, something yes, in their you know, and he, Okay, he, Sam, said, we've um, got three minutes before our next guest comes on, and I want to make sure we've got some time to kind of set up uh, his interview. So can you give us a little bit of feedback there? Uh, yeah, our next guest is um, um, Rich, Rich, Rich DeLong III. He's a racer out here at Orndale, races super stocks. Uh, won the championship this year. I'm pretty sure he had either eight or nine wins on the season. And uh, he, had a, he had a big celebration after the race. It was pretty neat, you know, to see him win the championship. And actually, he races NASCAR Canyon West Series. A few years ago, he ran two complete seasons. But now he only makes the trek out to, uh, out to Sonoma and races the road course once a year. So it was a very good, uh, really good um season for him this year. He races with his dad, his brother, and I'm not sure if it's his brother-in-law or his cousin is the other guy, but they have like four cars out on the track. And uh, they're all they're all almost painted identical. Wow. Uh, they've been around they've been around for gosh, they've been around for I mean, shoot, as long as Richard Petty's been around, it seems like. You know, racing short tracks around his <laughs> dad. The dad Rich. Cause, cause and that, that was it. Yeah, that was an Yeah, because Ricky, the the son, is a little bit. He's a lot younger than his dad. But oh, okay. It was uh, it was uh, it was neat, you know, to see you know the you know the um, the uh, the competition out there you know, they had this year, you know, and uh, you know the the battle back and forth, you know, and uh, you know to see like I said to see the you know whole DeLaws family, you know, between Rich, you know. Rich, Rich the third, Rich, Jason, and then they're, um, and then I'm not sure if it's the brother-in-law or what, but anyway, they had a double one driving that number 97 car, but. Well, the, I'll probably uh, let you carry the, uh, interview, Sal, because it sounds like they have a storied history out there in the West Coast and, uh, yeah. with the racing and family. Actually, uh, How many generations? Think, you know, and, and actually Rich, Rich swept the season. Oh, wow. Yeah, he won every race this season. That's amazing. His, his brother, technically, his brother should have finished second in points, but he had a couple. He had a couple issues. He had a blown motor one race. I forget what else happened in the other race, but very highly competitive. Okay, well, um, he's here now. If you want to go ahead and bring him in and uh, uh, introduce him. Okay, Here's our that. our next our next guest is uh is uh, uh Rich DeLong the third. He's, he's a uh, super stock racer out here at Irondale. Um, he's raced, gosh, he's raced Irondale. He's raced Kern. Um, he comes from a, from a history of, of, uh, of 
of uh, drivers, you know, all the way back. If, if anyone's out here on the West Coast, you know, they would know who Rich DeLong is. And, um, highly competitive. He raced, uh, he raced a few, put in a couple of full seasons in the NASCAR Canyon West Series. And now he um, he makes his trek once a year up to Sonoma for the road course and goes up there to have some fun. And uh, it's neat to see it's a it's a big family affair with them. All the whole family is involved with their racing. And uh, I'll tell you, it was a very uh, a very competitive um, season this year. And with that, we want to welcome Rich to the show. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. So, kind of tell us a little bit about your your. Uh, your uh your season this year it was a looks like very interesting one you uh you won every race and uh to win every race in a season is it's tough because you never know what can happen like your brother out of going motor the first week out um flat tire can you know take you out or wreck anything but to put a, a season together like that is, is pretty uh pretty amazing feat yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm just I'm super thankful for everybody on our team. Everybody puts in a lot of hard work when we're at the track to make sure when we go out to start those races, you know, everything everything's set right, everything's checked good, and uh, we have great performance with Bill Lowe Motors. Um, he built us great engines. My brother blew up too, and and uh, my dad actually had two blown ones, but they were just you know strange part failures that shouldn't have happened, and just racing luck. But other than that, I mean. All year long, we fielded four cars, and we had really solid performance with each car. And it's just me and my dad and my brother are the ones that work on these cars every week to get them ready. And, and we bust our butts, and it just shows on the track that we had all our stuff as good as we could get it this year. And, and we put together a really good really good season with everybody there. So let's, let's talk about a little bit about the family, you know, about the you know how long, how long has, uh, have you been racing? But not only that, but how long has your family been racing and which tracks have they raced in the past oh uh, we go way back my grandpa raced um out at saugus in the 70s and then my dad raced at saugus in the 80s and then the 90s he ran the winston west series um he ran ascot mesa marin riverside so he ran all those tracks and then uh i started at go-karts when i was 11 years old out at saugus speedway and ran those until about 15, and then I took a break for a couple of years, and he bought me a stock car. And uh, this is my 14th year actually racing. I started when I was 16 um, out at Irwindale on the Super Sox. We ran those for a couple of years, and then we went up to the K&M Pro Series. And uh, we had a lot of fun up there, but it's just gotten really out of our budget to go run all those races. So we kind of took a step back the last two years and, and put some cars together to go run Irwindale. And uh, we have a lot of fun out there. You know, Bob Rincotti gives us a great track to race at. All the people are nice, all the fans, um, all the track crew. It's just a really, really good place to race at. And uh, we're lucky to have a track out here to go racing every weekend. You know, so so talking about the Superstock, why, 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 why did the DeLong stay with the Superstocks and not go – this, which is a question that always comes up, you know, why don't you guys, you know, go into late models or maybe into the, uh, you know, into the, um, uh, del truck series. Yeah. I mean, we ran, we ran the truck a while back and it was a, a good deal, but it's so hard to get the parts for those because they're made, they're spec trucks. So it's one of those deals where if you don't buy a part from somebody, you can't get one or make your own parts. The super stocks, um, they're affordable, 
So we have four of them, and we can switch carts or parts from car to car, excuse me. And it's easy to build those. We build all those in our garage, and and we make whatever parts we need. We can pick up old body parts from a team, from a late model team. You know, they could be cracked, they could be broken. We can refiberglass. We just we can save a lot of money, and we can field four four superstar cars for what you can field a competitive late model for. So for us, it's a it's a little bit more about having fun. Um, I get to race with my dad, my brother, and then we have another car that we switch off between team members, and it's just. It's a lot of fun. You can bring the family out to go watch the races. Um, I have a little girl, Ruby. She loves to come out and watch. And then I have a little boy on the way, so my my fiance gets to come out, and our new our new child gets to come out next year. Um, so it's just it keeps it in the family, and we get to have a lot of fun having all the all of our cousins, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, just everybody come be a part of it. You know, and actually, you know, you you spoke a little bit about you know, racing the NASCAR Cannon West series, you know, the, you know, everybody knows, you know, the cost of running West car, you know, is, is up there, you know, and, uh, you know, you guys went out there, you know, you went out, you know, you, you ran, you know, you know, the, you know, a few, uh, uh, full seasons, you know, and, um, you know, what was that like? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We started there in, in 2014 and we ran full season there and, uh, it's really neat going to different tracks every week. You get to try something new. Um, you learn different driving styles between super speedways, short tracks, road courses, and the competition. You know, it's really high class up there. All these guys, all these guys have really, really nice cars, and they put a lot of time and money into it. And for us, that's kind of where where we took a step back. Is we're a family team. We don't have any any big sponsors, and we just build our own cars. So trying to run a race team with full-time jobs with families. It just, it didn't work for us anymore. The payouts are going down a little bit. The expenses are going up and it's just every week it gets harder and harder to compete with those big teams like Mack and Alley, Sunrise Four. And then you have the guys that come from the East, you know, it's just, it's a real tough deal to try to, to field a competitive car and do it part-time. So we kind of took a step back and we pick and choose races. Um, but we're really we're looking forward to next year with the five race deal that they have set up. Those are all tracks that are close to us, and we're going to go um, run all five of those races and see how we do with the new Arca Menards West Series. You know, I, I'll tell you, Rich. You know, you know, not not get away from the championship. We'll have to talk about championship, but talking about the Canyon West. You know what? There is a lot of a lot of uh, you know talk back and forth. You know you know, you know, about, you know, why, why are the DeLongs out here, you know, and stuff like that, you know, and, and you know what, but for the serious race fan, you know, they enjoyed it because, you know what, they, they seen the hard work you guys put into it. They seen the dedication and, and I will never forget when you guys were out at Sonoma a couple of years ago and you guys blew a motor, I think it was, you guys blew a motor and you guys drove all the way home, drove all the way back and worked all night in the pit to get the car ready for the next day. You know what? And there was a lot of, I mean, just from that little gesture right there, you know, cause it would have been easy just to pack up and say, you know, we're just going to go home and, you know, our weekend's over. But, you know, I, I, I know from the racing community, you guys gained a lot of respect for that. Yeah. I mean, we, we went up there a couple of years ago and we had an open motor car and uh, we broke a motor mount and it blew up the motor and nobody had an open motor. Everybody had spec motors. 
Um, and we only had two cars at a time, so we had somebody from home load a car on the trailer and bring it up to us at the track, and we worked all night. You know, we switched all the lead around, all the control arms, everything, and we worked until about 4 in the morning getting it ready. And that was just one of those things where we came to race and, and we weren't going to go home without racing. So um, I'm really thankful for my dad for all the effort he puts in, all our team, our family. Um, you know, none of my guys, they ever get paid for it. They take time off work and time away from their family. And for them to put that effort in and, and stay up all night was just one of those deals where you can never say thank you enough and, and you never forget it. And no matter if we were two seconds off the pace or 20, we were still out there racing, and, and we never gave up until the checkered flag flew. And I think we even we finished that race um, one lap down. So for all that effort to finish it one lap down, that was a, a great race for us. You know what? And not only that, but, you know, just seeing the family out there, you know, everybody working on the car together. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was, you know, it, it was amazing, you know, to see, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, the camaraderie, you know, between, you know, you know, and the love, you know, that you and your family, you know, have for each other, you know, when it comes to, you know, when it came to, you know, making sure the car was ready, making sure it got out there, you know, and then to see, you know, everybody out there working on the car, you know, wrenching, even yourself, you know, Saturday, you know, here you're, you're ready for a championship and you're underneath, you know, one of the other cars changing the, you know, oil in it. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a whole, this is a family deal and, and without, all of our family, it wouldn't be possible. And um, we broke a rear end gear on, on our other car this weekend. And my brother and I and everybody, we the car came in and we got it jacked up and, and we tried to figure out what was wrong with it. And um, we just went to work on it. We wanted the cars out there. We want the track to have a good show. We want the track to keep us around for next year so we can keep doing this. And And the more cars we can bring out and put out there and the better show we can put on, I think that gives us a better chance of having a division next year. We're up to to 10 cars on a weekly basis, which doesn't seem like a lot these days compared to what it used to be. But to have a solid 10 cars every week when they only have 13 late models or when they only have, you know, six or seven trucks or six or seven of the the spec late models, for us to bring in 10 cars, um, that's a statement to the racing community that they're not going to give up either on this track. And for us, if we're just going to park a car – without giving a shot to fix it, that it's kind of silly on our part to, to come all the way out there and go home without racing. Hmm. Interesting. Now with that, Rich, you know, our, our, our host Sharon, I know she, I know she has a couple questions. She just messes me right now. So I'm going to turn it back over. I'm going to turn it over to Sharon so she can ask the uh, questions that she has. Sure. Hi, Rich. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, well, I know Sal's real excited about the championship uh, that you just won there at, at Irwindale Speedway, uh, but I caught in your conversation there that uh, you mentioned you're going to race five or six races in the Arkham Menard Series West next season. Are you are you going to be able to do that along with what you're doing in the uh, Wheeling All-American Series? Um, hopefully the schedules work out this year. We were we started out the year we were going to run the full year, and then we had a couple races that overlapped, and we decided we wanted to stay at our home track and run for another championship. Um, just like we we planned on going to Roseville, but then we had to race at Irwindale, so that was one of them. And then um, we missed another one earlier in the year, but 
if the dates all work out, we're going to try to run the five races and the Irwindale schedule for next year. Okay, so that'll be a lot of racing that fans can look forward to uh, next season. What are your thoughts about the new um, uh, structure for the Arkham Menard Series and kind of incorporating the Canon Pro, Pro Series uh, under that Arkham Menard Series umbrella and NASCAR? Uh, it's confusing to start with because you have five races here, five races there, then these ten races. Uh, so hopefully it's, they do a good job <laughs> of explaining it as you go throughout the year. But um, I think it's good to have a new a new sponsor. Um, but I think part of it gets lost with now you're the Arc Menard Series, and when you had marketing capabilities, you could say I was in the NASCAR K&M Pro Series. So that kind of – I don't know if that's going to make it tougher to get a sponsor or line up a sponsor or if it's all going to – work out the same but uh either way i'm excited to see the direction it's going and and see how things go and see how it all develops yeah well arca is, is part of nascar so you could you could call it the nascar arca menard series um for for next season because it's still under that nascar umbrella but you're right it's a little confusing i think especially this first year but i think as, as fans see it play out i think it'll work out okay but I'm glad to hear that you're going to be racing in the series next year. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We, have, um, we don't have any new body style cars right now, so that's our main thing is to get a new body car put together and, and have a car to go run. Um, and then we have our road course car, so we'll go run Sonoma again. And uh, we'll just see what sponsors we can line up and, and how things work out and, and go from there. Okay, well, I think all of that is really great news, and uh, I appreciate you sharing that here tonight on the show. So, Sal, with that, I'm going to kind of pass it back on to you. All right. Now, now going back to the championship itself, Rich, with uh, you know the championship out here in Irondale, um, you know, I know you had mentioned you know some things you know about you know nice you know to feel to you know be back and do this again. How many championships does your family have out here? at Arundel in the Super Stock Series? Uh, this was our third one. We have 2010, 2018, and 2019. So this is number three for us. So then, so this was, this was, this made it back-to-back for you, right? Yes, it did. We were, we won the championship last year and then uh, had a, a killer year this year. Thanks to everybody for all their, their efforts they put in and, and everything they did. We ended up having a, a phenomenal year. So what? This is a question I've I've never really asked anybody else because we have really haven't had anybody you know who's been around the track long enough, and I did want to ask Trevor because of course you know he's going to play favorites to his dad. But um, what 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 do you see different in what the in how the track is being run these past couple of years as compared to the years past? Uh, the main thing is. You know, making making it accept or making it possible to bring a car that might not be, you know, perfectly in the rules, and they come out there and they work with you. We have a, a wide variety of cars, even in the super stock division. We have some some Dodge Darts, we have some late models, we have some super stocks, and then we had a a guy run with us on Saturday that was pretty much a super late model car with a three link. You know, and all the all the rules are worked out pretty good. Where we ran four different types of cars. And we had a pretty competitive field um, throughout the whole the whole lineup. So, who would you say 
I mean, I know you won every race, but who'd you say was your toughest competition this year? You know, uh, you know when it you know when it came you know to you know racing you know week in and week out. Uh, my brother, he was he was quick quite a bit. Um, he had a lot of second place finishes. Um, and Jerry Tapork in the forty, he had a really good car too. Um, so they were they were pretty tough. They were all close a lot of the time. And then uh, the eleven car came out at the end of the year, and they have a pretty good car too. So there's a there's a couple of cars that have a good shot to win. Um, and I'm looking forward to next year to see how everybody races together again. So, uh, so looking at looking at the um, at your let's talk a little about your sponsors. Because your sponsors play a big role in, in you being out there on the track. Without sponsors, you you there's no way you can race, right? Yeah, and I mean we have some pretty good sponsors. It's mostly um, all funded pretty much by my dad, but we have a couple little sponsors that give us give us some help here and there. Like uh, we have Ames Rubber, we have Big John's Tire Performance, and then uh, Gavin's Gladiators, and then uh, Farmers Insurance with Scott Fairchild, and then not to mention the Country Girl Saloon and Shot Exchange. And then uh, Progressive Painting, who was also the sponsor of the division. So tell us a little bit about the about the the the, um, the, the Country Girl. Country Girls, um, a little bar up in Castaic, about ten minutes north of Magic Mountain. Um, my family owns the bar, and uh, that's pretty much what pays for us to go racing. So without the bar, uh, we wouldn't have race cars to go race every weekend. And, and and that's your that's your own family business, right? Yeah, my family owns um the Country Girl Saloon and they also own the Shot Exchange in uh Santa Clarita, which is another little wow. bar. Wow, that that's pretty awesome for uh you know, for uh, you know, you guys to be able, you know, to get together, you know, and um you know, not not only sponsor the car, you know, but also, you know, race together as a family. I know I've seen you and your dad out there, you guys are pretty fierce competitors and I and I know Jason your brother Jason, he ain't nobody to really mess with out there either. He he's he's just as fierce. And um, man, I'll, I'll tell you, you guys have had some good battles out there this year, and it's been it's been a lot a lot of fun to watch you guys. Yeah, I mean, my brother, I've had a lot of fun racing. He's really um, improved a lot this year over last year, and he's had a really solid car all year long. Um, it's it's exciting to race with him, and then to race with my dad. You know, it's kind of like a dream come true that all three of us get to race together and. Of course, it's fun if you you know when you get to beat him because then you get to do all the trash talking until the next race. But uh, without my brother and my dad, we really wouldn't be able to race at all. So I can't thank them enough for giving us all the opportunity and working so hard to get these cars out here every week. Yeah, with that, Rich, you know, I just want to say once again, congratulations on the season. Um, I don't know if you have anything else planned for this year, but um, good luck next season. I know, I know we'll see you at a track somewhere soon. Now, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, Richard. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show here tonight because I learned a lot about uh, your racing family, and and uh, we'll have to check out your bar sometime when I'm out there on the West, West Coast area. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I appreciate you guys having me on, and I uh, just want to give a quick shout-out. Um, I seem to be in-laws were supposed to come to the last race, and they couldn't make it. And we had a cool sticker on the car for them. So um, to Matt Finley, we just want to say get well soon. Um, and we love you, and, and we hope everything goes good. Oh, that's great. I, I, I We give our sentiments there as well. And um, 
do you have any other racing going on now that the uh, season's closed there at uh, Irwindale? Uh, we were going to run the Canaan race up at Kern in a couple of weeks, and we were going to go to Phoenix, but uh, we had some last-minute sponsors fall through, so we're probably going to sit those ones out and, and prepare for next year and, and get ready to go in the uh, beginning of the season when they start at the Bull Ring in Vegas um, for the first Arkham Menards West race. Okay, well, we'll have a lot to look forward to with that then. Rich, again, thanks so much for being here, and we hope uh, you'll be able to come back and visit with us again uh, sometime soon. Yeah, anytime. I appreciate you guys having me on. Okay, thank you. Uh, And good luck to you. All right, good night. Thank you. All right. All right, Sal, that was pretty cool, talking with Rich uh, DeLong and learning about his family and, uh, you know, the the fact that, uh, you know, his his bar is what kind of funds his racing there. And uh, I think it would be a lot of fun to go there sometime. Have you ever gone to that bar? You know what, Sharon, I've never been there. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of out of the way. You know, take, it would take me about an hour to get there, 45 minutes to an hour. One of these days I'm gonna stop. You've traveled you know, like, longer when I'm than away. that, Sal. <laughs> well, I know. That's why I said one of these days when I'm on my back, on my way back from, you know, from coming from up north or from Kern or something, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll swing by and check it out. But um, I know oh, last cool. year he had a big old. Um, I know last year he had a, um, he had a big party there after his, uh, after he won his championship. So I'm curious if yeah, they're gonna have one again this year. They'll have to get a bell there so they can ring the bell when he wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah, if they I'm have sure. anything I'm sure, like I'm sure that. They have a, I'm sure they have a bell. Okay. They probably have a uh, bell for, sounds... uh, for uh, you know, for when they get a tip. A lot of bars have that bell inside. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right, so... All right, so that was a lot of fun, uh, learning more about Rich DeLong and DeLong Motorsports. Uh, and and I know you were at the racetrack this weekend. Uh, it sounds like you were at Irwindale Speedway this weekend. Is that right, Sal? Yeah. Yeah, we had our I, – I was, I, was I, was, I was about to go up to Roseville. And then, you know what, Rich had called me last week and said, asked me if I could do his um, – asked me if I could do his uh, – Pictures, uh, photos. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, you know, he already had championship locked up, so he asked me, "Can you do my championship photos?" And I, I waited out between that, um, Roseville for the Canon West race, or else Las Vegas had the Open Cup, the Fall Classic that I haven't, I haven't missed that race in like eight years. Mm. So I, I decided, you know what, it's close to home. You know what, I thought I'm just gonna, um, you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and check uh, it out. Yeah, you know, and, and go ahead and, you know, accommodate him. He's He's been really good to me throughout the years, you know, as far as photos and stuff. I do their photos when he goes to uh, Sonoma, you know. So I thought, you know what, I, I know chat, I know what it's like to win a championship, you know what, and, you know, and you know, you want good photos, you know, especially the celebration, you know, and, you know, his whole, it was neat because his whole family went down there, you know, and, I mean, usually Victory Lane, you know, uh, you know, the short track, you know, it's, Somewhere anywhere between uh, 20, 25 photos, but I think we did like almost 35, 40 photos with his family. You know, switching back and forth, and him and 
and then the the two banners they had they had a banner that said thanks I think it said thanks dad which one of the flags he he drove around the track with and the other one said you know which is the one I sent you you know with this championship banner so mm-hmm. I got, you mm-hmm. know what and you know what and it, it's my home track you know and I kind of felt a little bit obligated you know to you know to be over here for him you know what like I said he's been good to me you know since I since I started doing photos at the track you know and I I, I don't want to leave him you know without you know nobody you know having to take photos off of a camera of uh, photos off of an iPhone or something so. Mhm. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm that's I fantastic. State, you know, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. I've I've seen the name before, probably in the Canon Pro Series. But has he raced in Xfinity as well? No, he's no, he's just uh, no. Canon. You probably okay. seen the Canon. Oh yeah, that's probably where I have seen the name. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty, pretty. I think that's pretty cool to learn more about him. And uh, his racing and, and the racing family, um, and and uh, were there anything else that you wanted to mention with regard to the truck race or the uh, cup race? No, just I mean you know, just the track itself. You know, Talladega. You know what I mean? You know, it goes it goes back and forth. You know what? Do you know should should this race really be in the chase or, you know, should it just be, you know, you know, out of the chase, you know what, because of, you know, the carnage, you know, and the way it, it, you know, the way it plays, plays around, you know, it can go either way, you know, it could either be your best friend, it could be your worst enemy, you know, I mean, for myself, you know, I, I, I kind of like it, you know, I like, you know, the way, you know, that, you know, it's set up, you know, and, you know, I just wish that, you know, the Xfinity would race there too, you know, and make it, you know, a three race, you know, you know, truck extended, mm-hmm. you know, a cup, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think the fans would have liked that a lot better, but, you know, all in all, you know what, it's, 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 I like the race because it's so unpredictable. You know, you, you, well, you, and, and they you talked about that a little about that race. A little bit on NASCAR America today too. And you're right. There's no way you can predict that race. And, and the thing that's kind of cool is, and what they brought up is that they want the chase or they want the playoffs to be kind of a microcosm of what the season was. So the best way to do that is to have at least one super speedway on, on the schedule along with the road course, which they're doing with the Roval and the short tracks and the 1.5 mile tracks. So that's what they're trying to accomplish with this 10 race playoff um, feature uh, that they have at the end of the season here. And with that being said, you almost have to have, if not Talladega, then you have to have Daytona on the schedule. So uh, I, I think it's good to have it. I like it better as a middle race in the round versus an elimination race. Uh, can you imagine being eliminated at Talladega with such an unpredictability and with the pressure or the tension uh, I noticed Ram Blaney when he got out of his car to stand, his legs were so wobbly, he was shaking. And I think I would be shaking too getting out of the car after driving that race. That is such an intense race uh, because of the unpredictability and because of the blocking. I think the blocking that they're doing now just makes that race so incredibly intense that uh, uh, it, it's it's good viewing, I guess, for the race fans, 
but the drivers, I think, have to have to really be on their toes at Talladega. Oh yeah, they do. You know what? And but you know, it's just you know, it's just so unpredictable. You know, you don't know what you know what's going to happen. And um, you know, I mean, kind of like it's kind of like the same thing with the Roval. You know, the way the Roval is set up, the kind of how do you mm-hmm. say it? It's almost kind of set up the same way. You know, um, you know, but you know, it's it's uh. The you know, same way I, as what, I, I, I don't know what you mean by the uh, same way. It's set you know, up the it, same way as what? They're, they're, oh, they're, unpredictable. They're predi- they're okay. Unpredictable, yeah. Yeah, they're unpredictable. Okay. Yeah. That's true. And the Roval is actually an elimination race. Um, I don't think it's as unpredictable as, um, as uh, Talladega is. Uh, but it's unpredictable in that they've only raced on it in race conditions a couple of times. Uh, as they get more experience on that Roval, I think that unpredictability part of it won't be nearly as as much as it is maybe now uh, as they as they continue to learn that track. Exactly. I think what's going to happen is this is going to become like another road course, you know. Okay, well, we're at the top of the hour now, Sal. So uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for being here. I appreciate everything that you do. And uh, I always look forward to Monday nights, and I'll look forward to next Monday night with you. All right. We'll talk to you all later. You all have a good weekend. Enjoy your uh, what's left of uh, Columbus Day, I guess. And uh, make sure <laughs> yeah, that when you uh, make, make, make sure you walk to the end of your street, you know the world is round. It's not it's not flat like they thought it was. <laughs> nope, we are a round uh, planet. So thanks, Sal. Yeah, all right, <laughs> we'll talk to okay, you next time. Good night, Monday. everyone. All right. Good night. Okay. Goodbye. All right, and with that, uh, we're at the ten o'clock hour, and I'm going to bring in. Uh, I believe this is Jay Huseman into the uh, queue here. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, got home just a few minutes ago, so uh, trying to get a little bit together here and be prepared for tonight's show. I, I said I might not make it on. I know. I'm glad you did because Andy's not here. <laughs> so it's a good thing you made it. Um, oh, okay. So we'll bring we'll bring Andy into the queue as soon as he arrives. Uh, I know he's planning to be on the show here tonight, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about with hot topics. Um, I, I guess, where do we start? <laughs> Let's start with the topic that Sal brought up at the end of uh, the last uh, segment, and we'll get your thoughts about it. There was some conversation about whether Talladega should be on the schedule or not because of it. it's so unpredictable. It's so intense. And these drivers, I think, are beginning to go into this race with a little bit of trepidation. Uh, what are your thoughts about having Talladega on the schedule? You know, as a whole, I mean, I think it's no different than Daytona. I'm talking about the playoff schedule. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Um, I like the fact that they moved it where it wasn't a cutoff race. However, yes. you know, they talk about the the Charlotte Roval did the same thing in providing that unknown and uncertainty. So, And the drivers seem to like that. Now, I know on a road course, you at least control a little bit more of your own destiny than on a super speedway, um, from a driver's perspective anyway. 
so, like I said, the the drivers seem to like the fact of the Roval being a cutoff race, which is unpredictable in and of itself, as is Talladega. The thing with the speed and the big packs of cars, uh, you, like I said, I think it's a little bit easier to be in something that's not of your control at Talladega. So I I could see where some ways say they want it out of the playoffs altogether, and I can't say I would argue that against it, but from the fan and entertainment perspective, uh, it's one of those that I think adds to it. So uh, they need to keep it. Oh, okay. Well, you know, someone also brought up the fact that uh, the playoffs should be kind of a micro version of what it is for the regular season. And with that in mind, I think that's what NASCAR is trying to accomplish is to have a mix of all the different types of tracks that they race on throughout the year on the schedule for the playoffs. And so if it's not Talladega, then it would have to be Daytona. Uh, and uh, at this point, it is Talladega that's in the in the playoff schedule. Uh, but that racing is so intense. I was on the edge of my seat. I was standing up a few times <laughs> with how intense that racing is at the track. Uh, at Talladega, I can't imagine how the drivers keep their nerves under wraps in that in that in those races. And and I think that's a valid point of of uh, I don't know that you named anybody specific that didn't come up though of the entire <laughs> um, entirety of the schedule. And you know that's why they hollered that there needed to be a road course in the playoffs, which we now have the Roval, which is a substitute right. for a road course. Um, you know we've had that discussion of. I felt like it should be at least be a true designed road course. However, two years into it, I think it's working. And like I said, I mean, it seemed like the drivers were okay with it as a, as a cutoff race in that, in a playoff round. Um, so, and as a fan, I mean, you can't ask for much more as a fan, truthfully. And you brought up Daytona oh, okay. and the fact that that, that is now the final play, uh, final race of the regular season on next year's schedule, which yeah. Again, I, I had questions about, but there again, and it gives that final option for pretty much anybody because we all know that anybody <laughs> can win that race. So I think well, it adds an element of intrigue. I think it yes, is. I, I, I really agree do. With you. Okay, Andy is here, and uh, welcome to the show, Andy. We're happy to have you here. Yeah, you know, we got to add some excitement because today's racing was just so boring. I, I you know, we got to have an exciting show tonight. <laughs> I, I, I was telling you. Jay, I was on the edge of my seat and sometimes standing up and pacing because I was so nervous about what was going on on the track. Uh, what were your thoughts about having Talladega in the playoff schedule? Uh, should it be there or not? 100% belongs in the playoffs, and, and here's why. Because <laughs> a, a, a NASCAR champion, I feel like, has to be defined by diversity. And we have several different types of tracks. We have intermediate tracks. We have short tracks. We have road courses and super speedways. We have different styles of racing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we're going to crown a champion, we have to have them be successful at all different types of racing. So a super speedway 100% belongs in the playoffs. In fact, um, you know, I, I, I'm a little surprised that the Xfinity series does not have a super speedway race in the playoffs. Yeah, um, it'd be kind of be cool if they did at some point, maybe they will in the future. It's hard to say, but, um, 
I love it. I think it's awesome. I mean, I don't know that I'm as stressed out during the course of a season as much as I am when I watch a super speedway race. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of storylines. The racing is extremely intense. Um, it, it's just, it's, you know, for lack of a better term, I know it's going to sound corny, but it's on the edge of your seat, you know, racing from a fan's perspective. So um, you're literally, I don't know about you guys, but I was literally sitting there stressed for a good three hours this afternoon uh, just watching it. So it was, it, it's just fun. It's super fun. Yeah, And I'm, I will say this, I'm glad that they only do it four times a year. I don't know that I'd want it to be like that every single week, but I definitely believe that super speedway racing has its place on the schedule and certainly at least one playoff race. Um, you know, and I, I think that uh, this race will have implications on the rest of the season. So uh, it, it definitely belongs for sure. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, I'm glad they only do one in the playoffs, but it, it certainly has its place. Well, I agree with both of you that it does belong on the schedule. Um, and and I was on the edge of my seat and, and stressed out <laughs> the three hours as well, uh, watching those guys blocking and, and uh, you know, when when I saw some of these wrecks, I was worried about. I was telling Jimmy Johnson to get out of his car when it was on fire. I mean, um, it, it just was um, uh, a, a very intense race. And I, I'm with you, Andy. I'm glad it's only uh, four races in a year. Uh, but I do believe that you need to have one on the schedule. Now, Jay, you brought up the fact that Daytona is going to be the cutoff of the regular season. It's going to be the last race of the regular season where we determine who's going to move on. What are your thoughts about that uh, next year, having that as the last race before we uh, start the playoffs? Jay, go ahead. And that, oh, okay. Like I said, I, I when they, they first announced that I was kind of like, wow, why would you do that for that race? Um, but I really do think that the more I think about it and what we've seen, especially with the, the way stage racing and everything else has taken place this year, I kind of like it. Again, you, that last opportunity, um, you know, and I, I've heard different people, different people's takes on it, but yeah, you've had 25 races already, but that really is one last chance for pretty much anybody to possibly get in. So why not? You know, I mean, just add to that that level of intensity to it. I think is going to end up being a good thing. I really do. Okay. Andy, your thoughts about that? Uh, It's going to be awesome. Uh, It's probably going to be over-the-top awesome, honestly, because you not only have a super speedway race, but you're now adding into the fact that it's a cutoff race to get into the playoffs. And honestly, you know, Indianapolis has has been decent the last couple of years, certainly in terms of the the playoff intensity. Uh, but to make it a super speedway race, which is always exciting in itself, um, all I can say is I hope that uh, I hope that the drivers I pull for aren't in the position of having to make it in uh, to the playoffs based upon that race because that is going to be ridiculous in terms of. The, the pressure on those teams and those drivers, you know, and certainly the fans of those teams and drivers. So it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Um, I, I see why they did it. Honestly, I, I completely see why they did it because that's going to make it a, a must see race, I think next year. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting to me, you know, in terms of them moving that race, that's certainly interesting. I feel like that race had a pretty solid footing, you know, in, in, in around the 4th of July weekend. But, 
you know, boy, I, I think if I think that uh, that may help attendance for that second Daytona race. I, I, I see, you know, if, if you're a race fan and and you're trying to figure out where to go next year, I think that one has to be somewhat circled on the calendar um, to go new because that's going to be crazy. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be, you know, you add you add the intensity of the race that's already there because it's a super speedway, and you add to that the pressure of getting into the playoffs. Uh, I, I think it is going to make it ridiculously crazy and intense uh, at that race. And uh, if it's anything like today, Fans are going to be glued to the TV for all three stages of the race. I mean, we saw so much action. I was reading earlier when we were doing the review of the race, 47 lead changes today at Talladega. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just incredible. And, and Sharon, I don't know about you, but I, I saw a bit of a throwback to the, uh, you know a few years ago with Jeff Burton. Uh, with the old tandem racing today, that kind of ate its return, and that was yes. kind of fun to see too. So, uh, amongst everything, you know, we saw a bit of a throwback today too. It was just, it was awesome all around. It was, it was. I always liked the tandem racing, especially if you're listening to the radio and how they kind of manage that and and uh, you know strategize with that. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but let's move on to the next hot topic. And Andy, I'm going to go to you. For the for the next topic. Yeah, I think uh, just kind of wanted to talk about Paul Menard for a minute. Certainly, thoughts are with him as he uh, battles through some neck pain. He actually started the race yesterday, but ultimately Matt Crafton jumped into the car and wound up running the majority of the race. Kind of wanted your thoughts on that. Okay, Jay. Well, I know we talked about this a little bit going into it when we heard about this news. So uh, we'll have to see how it affects next week, whether or not he makes the start next week. We know that Talladega, obviously, there were wrecks, and, and he could have put it doubly as uh, bad for whatever injury he is battling. So we'll have to see what happens uh, next week, whether or not he opts to stay out of the car next week as well. I know he's already announced his retirement following the end of the year that he would retire, so we might see that he ends up stepping out of the car a little bit early here in these final few races. Yeah, I I uh, am glad that he did that. It kind of reminds me of when Dale Jr. was having some problems and he stepped out of the car, um, uh, and I, I applauded him for doing that. I do the same thing with Paul Menard. I think it's good that he's stepping out of the car. He recognizes what the limitations are. Uh, I don't know if he had doctor's advice about that or not, but um, either way, I think it's a good thing for him to step out of the car rather than to risk further injury uh, to his neck area. And uh, uh, I'm glad that Matt Crafton did such a good job. I thought he did a good job in that car. Uh, And he was up there contending at times. And uh, like you say, he was racing most of that race before he was taken out in one of the big ones. Um, so I applaud him uh, for, for stepping out of the car and and uh, allowing somebody else to, to ride. But I hope we do see him back before the end of the season. I hope uh, uh, it's not going to be a soft uh, close for him. I, I'm hoping that uh, he'll still be able to get in that car and contend for some wins before it's all said and done. So, Andy, what are your thoughts about it? 
Yeah, from what it sounded like, he 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 has a pinched nerve in his neck, so it's something that you know can fortunately I think be dealt with. Um, but the, but the big concern was a flip and an accident, you know, like we typically see and did see today ultimately in super yeah. speedway racing, um, you know, that he was concerned about in terms of causing uh, long-term damage. And certainly when you're down to your last few races in your career, there's no point in risking, you know, long-term health problems. And so that w- was the main reason for stepping out of the car. Um, I guess it remains to be seen, you know, what he does the rest of the year, but certainly, um, you know, well wishes, you know, toward him and his family and hopefully he gets better. Hopefully we see him finish out the season, you know, you know, obviously want to see him uh, finish out his career on a, on a strong note, certainly. Um, but certainly if there's a race that you want to be cautious with, it would have to be today. And I think that's what he did. So, um, and hopefully he's on the mend soon, and, and hopefully he can at least finish out the season and go out on his own terms. Okay. Did you have any follow-ups, Jay? No, like I said, we'll have to wait and see. It would have been interesting had uh, had the rain not come and caused the delay of whether or not of, or when he would have stepped out of that car, whether or not he would have um, without being well, given the opportunity. Well, they he was to step they they said he was planning to step out at, at the end of stage one. That was the plan right. all along. And that that would that is obviously a logical spot to. Uh, I know you're still under race conditions, uh, you know, at the end of a stage, but that is one where everybody is coming down pit road more than likely, especially at a track like Talladega. So that is a good spot to do it. You're obviously going to lose track position doing a driver change. Um, so like I said, I know that was the intent, but we've heard that before too, of when a driver's ill, they say, well, if I'm not feeling well, it seems like once they get in that car, the adrenaline starts flowing there, you know, that they seem to lose that, that illness or pain. So, um, obviously I think in this case, it was a good thing the way it happened and he was able to, and, and not have to even think about making that decision under race conditions. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. Uh, Jay, do you want to bring up the next topic then? All right. Well, I'm going to have a tough time with this. I know you guys were messaging back and forth. Uh, I have not actually seen either race yet. Um, So the two finishes, Saturday and the truck race, and then ending up being today for the final of that, the issue with the yellow line. Johnny Sauter being, I guess, disqualified or moved back um, for blocking and forcing somebody below the line, whereas Ryan Blaney was not. Uh, I have seen now that I just watched uh, NASCAR American today uh, recap of seeing what happened with Ryan Blaney, and I know that you said you had audio with it in the messenger to, to Andy and myself. So yeah. um, I think they did make the right call there. He actually checked up, it looked like, and was going to not take that position. So he was giving that spot back and not advancing his position. He actually got hit in the rear end by, I'm not sure which car hit him. I didn't watch that close, but that gave him that momentum back forward. But he wasn't back above the line at that point, and it was a clean pass. So I think there they made the right decision. As far as the truck race, I can't speak on like really because, like I said, I haven't seen any real good video of it yet. Yeah, I went back and looked at the race video of it, and – 
Uh, I'll comment on it because I don't want to take away from what Scott Miller says here. But Scott Miller did do some post-race availability to address questions with regard to the penalty for Johnny Sauter, and I wanted to play that during this segment of tonight's show. So it's just uh, three minutes and 15 seconds, so it, it won't take too long. Here we go. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, you guys um, all saw what happened, and it's it's made very clear in the rule book, in the drivers' meeting video, and all of the dialogue that we have uh, with the drivers about what you can and can't do when it comes to the yellow line, and um, it was clearly a violation of what we ask of the drivers when it when it relates to the yellow line. So there was no other call for us to make except for what we did. Well, I mean, we just so we're there's a lot there's obviously a lot of moving parts in the tower. So when when the cars are coming to the line, our first our first order of business is to watch and make sure there's not cars flipping back in the trioval. So we first watch that. And then it was brought to our attention that we might have a, a situation with the 13. So then we look at all of the replays from there and make our determination. That's, that's just how the process goes. Well, he actually did two things wrong. He had his whole car down below the yellow line, which you can't do, and you can't force another car below the yellow line, and he did both. It, it was pretty clear cut. The leader has a little bit of right? Yeah, but you can't. But you can't. You, we asked them to race above the yellow line, so that's that's where there's there's really not a whole lot of. When you put your whole car, maybe maybe that much we'd give them, but not all four tires underneath the yellow line. Well, I mean, really and truly, I mean, it's one of those deals where there's not a lot of, you see some blocking going on during the day, but those calls are so subjective that we don't, we can't really get in the middle of every single one of those. But when it comes to the yellow line, it's clear cut and, you know, you can't, you can't use that to your advantage to hold somebody back. Okay, we'll go ahead and close it there because I don't think he says anything much more uh, beyond that. But um, basically, yeah, I think that was kind of the difference is that uh, Johnny Sauter had all four tires below that yellow line, and he also pushed another driver uh, below the yellow line. And my thought originally when – because I went back and actually watched it because I wanted to make sure (laughs) – uh, before we talked about it tonight, that I, I had a clear picture in my mind of the two different situations, and and Johnny Sutter and and Riley Earps were obviously both cars were all four wheels below the yellow line, and my original thought was, well, why didn't since Johnny Sutter forced Riley Earps below the line, why didn't you give the win to Riley Earps instead of to Spencer Boyd? But um, 
because Riley was below the line, they couldn't give him the win for crossing the finish line, I guess. So um, uh, in in the case that uh, we talked about today with Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney didn't have all four wheels below the line. And you're right, Jay, when he made the pass, it was when he had come back above the yellow line before he made the pass of uh, Ryan Newman. And Ryan Newman actually gave him a lot more room. And one of the things Sal pointed out is that the incident that happened with Johnny Sauter and Raleigh Earps, that happened much closer to the finish line than what happened today with uh, Ryan Blaney and Ryan Newman. And since then, <laughs> what's interesting is that Ryan Newman is is now saying that he he probably should have uh, doored uh, Ryan Blaney and spun across the finish line in order to get the victory. So <laughs> I don't know what your guys' thoughts are about that, but uh, uh, I thought that's interesting that in, in retrospect, he's, because it ended up being the sixth closest finish at Talladega, uh, I thought it was interesting that he's now saying that now he was actually, he would have uh, – Giving him the door. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Coulda, woulda, shoulda. He still lost. Um, <laughs> he did. But um, yeah, you know, honestly, I was, I to be honest, I was confused for a little bit after the race too because it looked to me, you know, at first glance, like both finishes, both Saturday and and today, they that the winner went below the line. But um, yeah, hundred percent right. When you look at Sauter, you know, all four wheels went below the yellow line. He he and he he blocked the 51, and um, ultimately, you know, ultimately the 20 actually crossed the line ahead of the 51. So that, I think that's why Boyd was declared oh, okay. the winner. Um, you know, you I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure if they actually penalized the 51 or not. I'm not I don't know. But when you look at the 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 start finish line uh, as they crossed, the 20 actually was the second place truck. So. Um, that's why he was declared the winner, and that's cool to see. That's an underdog story, and that's the beauty of these super speedway races is we oftentimes see, um, you know, first-time winners and, and the underdogs go out there and win, which is great. I love it. Um, with regards to today, you know, yeah, it took, a, it took you know, watching uh, NASCAR America and Race Hub to kind of take a second and third look at it after the race, but um, – yeah, Blaney only had the left sides drop below the line, and, and like you said, he came up and was on the racing surface above the yellow line before he advanced his position on the fixed car and subsequently took the win. And, you know, I'm a big fan of them not calling a penalty. Quite frankly, I, I, I hate the rule. You know, I understand why it's there. It's for safety. If we didn't have it, then we'd, we'd see some aggressive moves that could potentially lead to cars being flipped into the grandstands, which we don't want to see. Um, like we've seen in the past. So, you know, I, I do applaud NASCAR for making that rule, but I, I, I don't like it in the sense that, you know, we've seen some questionable finishes and, and we've seen wins taken away for some, you know, questionable moves. And I it, it sucks to see that sometimes, but ultimately I think they got it right today. And I think they got it right Saturday too, um, you know, when you really look at it. So ultimately good calls by NASCAR both days and, um you know, I'm glad that uh, today was just a, a good, hard-fought finish to the the end, and ultimately Ryan Blaney wins the race. Okay, Jay, any any additional comments? 
Um, I, again, I'm going to comment on the rule itself. I hadn't found the truck race one uh, yet on uh, Race Hub. So um, we talked about this with the Roval. Uh, on the Roval, the rule is, again, I know it's a little bit different, but to me the concept is the same. They say you can't go inside of the rumble strips. They don't care how mm-hmm. you got there. If somebody forced you there, whatever, that's your problem, not theirs. Okay, but Talladega is different. There they'll make a judgment call of, okay, you were forced there, we're going to penalize the other guy. I don't like the inconsistency between the two rules, and especially at a place like that. Uh, Andy mentioned it there, and, you know, uh, you said that Blaney's comment of that maybe he should adore Newman. We saw that with Brad Keselowski. No, it was the other way around. Newman said he should adore Blaney. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood that. But um, by enforcing the, the rule that way, you know, to make sure even if you get forced down there, you're going to hope then that NASCAR sees it that they were forced down there. Brad Keselowski, when he got his win for uh, Finch Racing, made sure he didn't go below that yellow line. And that's one of the worst wrecks we've seen at Talladega because Carl went across his hood and up in the air. And Brad said, hey, mm-hmm. that's what NASCAR said I had to do was not go below the line. Car came down on me. I made sure I didn't go below the line. He went near and into the fence, but I didn't go below the line. And we don't want to see that either. So, to me, uh, like I said, NASCAR is kind of putting themselves in a box here with with this, uh, if it's going to be a judgment call. And on the other hand, like I said, you know, the driver's got to know, hey, if I do this, is NASCAR going to see it as me wrong or him wrong, you know? And you don't want to leave that up to them, so you need to just do what's right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, first of all, you're 100% correct, uh, Andy, that uh, in the order in which they came across the finish line, Spencer Boyd did come in ahead of Riley Earth, and that's why, oh, i got to make my announcement. Let me do that real quick. <laughs> we are coming up at the 1030 at, uh, time frame, and that is the point at which we go off the air but we do continue recording the rest of the conversation here on Banff Racing Radio. Uh, that conversation will be available on our podcast, which is available via all of the links that we already have posted on social media, and uh, uh, as well as the, via the player that we have at BanffRacing.com. I will go out on Twitter and let fans know when we're finished with our conversation here so that you know when the podcast is available so that uh, you can go back if you've listened up to this point. Just fast forward to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Of course, podcast listeners will be able to listen straight through. So with that, um, what I was saying is that uh, uh, you were right that Spencer Boy went over before uh, – Riley Earps, and that's why he was given the win. Um, and uh, I do think that they got the call right on both days as well. I think NASCAR uh, did the right thing in both of those cases as well. So uh, I think that's all good and well. So I'm not, I don't really have much more to say than that. Um, uh, Andy, what are your follow-ups? Um, I think what, you know, I think what, what I already said, I think pretty much covers it. You know, I, I think that, you know, NASCAR is put in the tough spot ultimately with making these decisions, but I, I think they got it right. And obviously I, I understand 
the frustration and, and, and certainly sympathize with Johnny Sauter. He he made the move that he thought was right, you know, at the end of that race. And unfortunately it was one that, that uh, caused the penalty, but uh, you know, the instinct I, and I, I don't drive race cars. First and foremost, I have to say that. All right. I, I can't put myself <laughs> in their position, but you know, I think the instinct, if I were to drive a race car, I think the instinct would be that if somebody made a move to my inside that I would try to block that. And that's really what he, what he did, you know, the 51 mm-hmm. made a move and he, he reacted instinctively to it, you know? And I think that, I think anyone can sympathize with that. I, like I said, I certainly feel for him and his fans, um, you know, tough to see someone stripped of a win like that, you know, but rules are rules. And, you know, th- th- there's one reason why they're in place is for safety, you know, and as we can see, Time and time again, this is a racetrack that lends itself to to major incidents, and I think that if we didn't have the rule, then we'd have far worse worse problems than we we typically see. So uh, you hate it's just you hate to see a controversial ending like that, but nonetheless, I think they got it right, you know, and and they'll move on from it. Okay, and I know what I was going to say now is that Riley Earps did not get a penalty. It was only um, uh, Johnny Sauter that got the penalty. Okay, uh, Andy, did you have another hot topic there? Well, I wanted to look at the cut line for the Cup Series because I think that there's four drivers in a fairly precarious position going into Kansas, which is a cut race. And I wanted to get your thoughts on if you think any of them have the chance to advance or if that uh, if the, we see the current eight drivers above the cut line, if those are the eight that will move on to the next round. Jay? <laughs> Well, um, obviously, by the article I wrote, I had Chase Elliott going to the final four. We know he can win at Kansas, as I believe he is last year's race winner there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that he is probably the only one. I, I mean, Alex Bowman, it's possible Bowman could, and if, if one of the other drivers has a bad day that one of those three 2018, 22, and 24 points out for Clint Boyer could point their way in, but I think it is going to take a win, and I would have to put that on Chase Elliott at this point. Uh, other than that, it's not based on you as a driver. It's based on somebody else having bad luck if Alex Bowman or Clint Boyer were to uh, advance as well. Yeah, Clint Boyer is one of the guys that's below the yellow line, or below the yellow line. Okay, I'm okay. Uh, below the cut line of the um, of the uh, point standings right now, is that correct? Well, yeah, we'll it's see, yeah. Uh, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Clint Boyer, and William Byron are the four drivers that are below the line, and uh, that's going to be a home track for Clint Boyer. He's always wanted to win at that track. So I see him putting forth a really strong effort at um, at uh, Kansas next week in order to move on in the playoffs in front of his hometown crowd. Uh, I agree with you of the drivers that are in this situation. I think Chase Elliott has shown the most promise throughout the season to maybe come up with that victory. I think William Byron certainly has been knocking on the door of a victory uh, and he had some good runs today at Talladega. But, uh, and same thing with Alex Bowman. I think they're all capable of winning. Uh, but of the ones, I, I would say they're Chase Elliott or Clint Boyer simply because it's his home track 
and he wants that win to move on. And he's been fighting really, really hard to stay in these playoffs. So those would be my two picks. Andy, how about you? Well, in your defense, he was below the yellow line when he was uh, stuck on the apron there, which I've never seen before. Um, Yeah, that was weird. I might have been screaming for a few minutes through that. Um, Nonetheless, um, uh, you know, I I actually, this is to to try to look at this as neutral as possible. I really think the two that have the best chance to move on is Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman. you know, I, I actually do think it's a must-win scenario. I think it, when you look at the eight drivers that are above the cut line, they're all really good drivers, really good teams that are all probably going to be top 10 or top 15 cars at Kansas. So in order to leapfrog those eight cars, I, I think you, unless they have a bad day, which they could, but if you're going to leapfrog those cars, I, I just, given given the points deficits that, that the four below the cut line are at, I really think that you, you're going to have to go win. And I think the the number one driver of those four would have to be Chase Elliott. He's had, you know, several wins this year. Uh, actually, the defending race winner of this race at Kansas from a year ago. And certainly, you know, this has not been a very good round for them when you look at Dover or Talladega, but they did rebound nicely today. And I think that, you know, they can certainly go to, to Kansas and, and they they will be, I think, a top five car at least. And uh, I think they will have a chance to win and move on to the next round. And Alex Bowman, he did win Chicago earlier this year, typically been pretty good on the mile and a half. I think that's been their strong suit this year. So in my mind, those are the two that have the best chance to, to win and move on. Otherwise, if, if none of them if none of them can do it, I, I just don't know that any of them have the ability to point their way in. Of course, stranger things have happened. Right. Uh, we we could see mechanical issues. We could see issues on, you know, whether it be you know uh, mechanical problems, pit penalties, you name it. But I just I just think that you know it the the deficit's big enough now that uh, you're going to have to go win. And I think that, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot of pressure on those teams to, to go do that. So it's hard to say, you know, anything can happen certainly, but uh, I think you're going to have to go win this race if you're going to get in, if you're those four guys below the cut line. And I think that certainly any of them can do it, but I really feel like if it's, if you're Chase Elliott or Alex Bowman, you've, you've got the best chance. Okay. Uh, Jay, any follow-ups there? No, I, I think we're all kind of in that same boat. Like I said, uh, with with who we think could win it to move on, and then uh, I'm sorry, uh, Alex Bowman kind of in a situation of possibly, if not maybe even with a little bit of help of unfortunate luck for somebody else. Uh, my other question with that though is outside of Talladega here, do we see somebody outside of the playoffs win? So far, it hasn't happened, even with guys that have been eliminated so far. No, it hasn't, which is pretty interesting because of all of the playoffs between the trucks and the Xfinity and, and the Cup, uh, the the biggest shakeups have happened in the, uh, in the uh, Cup Series. So I still think we're in for more surprises, and it would not surprise me if one of these four drivers do come up with a win at uh, Kansas Speedway and get in. And the thing is, is that if they do that, if 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 any one of those four drivers drop out, that puts uh, Kyle Larson is already guaranteed, Ryan Blaney's already guaranteed. Guess who's on that cutoff? It's Joey Logano. 
So I think we're going to see some intense racing at uh, at Kansas Speedway next week. Joey Logano's had two. Uh, he had two bad races. Uh, he rebounded like Chase Elliott. He rebounded well uh, from his situation. But it's still going to be a rough go for Joey Logano, too. He's got to come up with a victory. Uh, at uh, or He's got to have a really good run at uh, Kansas Speedway because if one of those guys below him wins, uh, he could very well find himself on the outside looking in. Yeah, you know what's interesting really is that the the winners of the first two winners of this round were drivers I feel like that have been on on the bubble when you think of Larson and mm-hmm. Blaney, um, you know, and and that's what uh, I think has thrown a bit of a wrench into this round, especially when you look at, you know, Chase Elliott specifically. I think a lot of people thought he'd easily go deep into at least the round of eight, if not the final four, and. And now he's facing elimination, and I think that the winners of, of these two races so far have really thrown a, a bit of a wrench into that. So I, I think that uh, it you know certainly will be interesting what happens at Kansas this weekend. And for all we know, you know another another bubble driver such as Chase Elliott goes out there and wins, and uh, could knock somebody like Joey Logano out. So um, it's going to be wild to say the least. Any follow-ups, Jay? Well, kind of, kind of continue with that then of uh, making the the next round. Following that, the two that won, Ryan Blaney and Kyle Larson, like Andy said, they were bubble playoff drivers uh, coming into this. I kind of had faith in in Kyle Larson, but not so much in Ryan Blaney. Once they reset for this next round, they go right back to the bottom as far as points with the reset. So getting into Miami Homestead of the final four you're back to pretty much the, these guys having to win to get in. Do we see it come down to possibly only one or two of the top guys? There wasn't the big three this year, but Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Denny Hamlin uh, not making the final four because somebody wins their way in in the next round. Well, what do you say? I, I'm, I think it's certainly possible, Jay, because – uh, I, there's been so many surprises, so many things happening. I, I mean, I thought Kurt Busch was going to go a lot further than what he went to, and he's completely out of it now. Eric Almarola didn't go as far as we thought he would go. He's completely out of it. So I, I, I really think that we're going to see surprises like that uh, going all the way up to, uh, you know, Phoenix and, and who the final four are. Right now, I would say my final four would be Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, and Denny Hamlin. But a lot can change. <laughs> a lot can change in these next few races. Who would you say is your final four, Andy? No, I agree with you 100%. That, that's who I'd pick. Um, what's interesting is, you know, a lot of these drivers went into the playoffs with, with such a buffer of playoff points that they've kind of been yeah. able to coast. Um, several of them, you know, Bush. Bush and Tru- <laughs> well, Bush and, and Truex and, and even Harvick and Hamlin, they've kind of been able to just ease, ease their way through. But when it comes to the final four, you can't do that. Uh, and certainly, you know, if, if, if Larson and Blaney and, you know, somebody else, you know, Keselowski were to say win the three races in the round of eight, you know, that, that really puts a lot of pressure on those guys like Hamlin and, and Bush and Truex and Harvick. So, um, 
you know, I mean, honestly, I've seen some some conflicting, you know, opinions on this about, you know, should these drivers be able to go into the playoffs with all these points and whatnot. And I feel like you should because those are points earned throughout success throughout the year. You know, they had a great year. They won a lot of races. They won stages. They earned those playoff points. And that's what's allowed them to go deep in, and well, ultimately allow will allow them to go deep into the playoffs. But um, that those points really aren't going to matter when it comes to the final four. You're either going to have to go up there and win, or you're going to have to finish well to be that fourth guy in line to, to uh, transfer to Homestead. Uh, just coasting around in the round of eight is not going to do you any good. So, um, you know, so I don't, I don't mind those drivers having that points buffer because it essentially affords them the opportunity to make it to the round of eight. But I think once you get to that round of eight, that's all gone. So, um, you know, come, I guess it's what Martinsville when we kick off the round of the the round of eight or whatever it is, um, you know, those, those, all everyone who's left is going to have to fight tooth and nail to try to either win a race or try to get the most points possible to be that fourth car in line because um, just just coasting isn't going to do it anymore. So it, it's it's really hard to say, but but to your point, Sharon, my final four is is the same as yours. I I don't necessarily see anybody coming in there and, and knocking those four off. They seem to be the four best and really have been the four best all year. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see certainly what takes place. Um, but I, you know, it, it, for all we know, somebody, you know, gets up there and, and scores a win and Martinsville is a bit of a wild card race and, you know, Phoenix, you never know what can happen. So, um, you know, if one of those teams toward the back part of that round of eight gets up there and wins, that could certainly throw, you know, a wrench in the plans of Bush, Harvick, Hamlin and Truex, who we all, you know, I, in a perfect world, I think they will be the final four, but, you know, I think, you know, a couple, three of those guys are going to have to win a race in the final, uh, the final round there if they're going to make that happen. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to stand by Chase Elliott getting that win and moving on to the next round. (laughs) And so thus being in the round, the final four, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and Martin Shrix. Kevin Harvick. <laughs> I said, oh I, I said, yeah. I sound confident <laughs> in these picks, right? No. Hey Jay, I'll tell you what. Hey Jay, I'll tell you what. What's if, Larson gets, if Larson gets the Homestead and he's in the final four, I, I would, uh, I'd be worried if I were the rest of the competition. He can certainly drive that racetrack. Um, that's actually, I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad pick. I mean. You know, in theory, Elliot could go win the next two races, and I don't think any of us would be shocked by that. So, you never know, man. It could happen. Well, and and that's why. <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, the biggest thing has been has been getting into that final round to make that advancement, um, and we've just seen how good he has been here in the latter part of the year, going into the playoffs and then coming out in the playoffs and running good. So. Uh, I still have faith in him, and I, I think that's one that all the competitors and, and analysts say, if he can ever make it to Miami, he really could be a contender. So, And, again, Chase Elliott, I just I think that right now, I know they've had a couple of bad weeks, and it's going to depend on Kansas, obviously. But I think of the ones, the four, um, I, I can't really rule out Denny Hamlin either. Uh so that's why I kind of was like Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, or Kyle Busch. But I think Truex goes, 
and then I think only one other one of the other three go. Okay, and what are your thoughts about the points advantage that Dandy brought up? Uh, right, I I do. I do like the way that is set up. Uh, you're right. I mean, it, in other sports, you can't really give that. You give home field advantage. You can't do that with a racetrack. That's kind of already set in stone of who runs well at what track. So I do like the fact of it may be a little bit much as far as how many points you earn and the points gap you can build up, but everybody has that same opportunity. And I think we're still seeing that develop year to year of how important those stage points are that, you know, they need them throughout the year as well as getting some race wins because obviously they're worth five more points. But I think uh, I think that's going to continue to evolve, and we've seen it in the past years of, yeah, at least getting you to Miami, that that is certainly a factor. And I feel like, it, like Andy said, they have earned that through the year. Um, you know, Kyle Busch winning the regular season. He was a points leader at the 26th mar- race mark. I think there should have been something done for that. Again, I don't know if maybe it's a little bit too much, 15 versus 10 to second place, but, you know, that that's how it's set up, and it's the same for everybody, so you all have the same opportunity. Well, and I agree uh, that it is a good thing in, in the overall picture. I'm never really a fan of drivers kind of hanging out in the back like Denny Hamlin talked about today. He kind of hung back a little bit to try to avoid the big wrecks, uh, and it worked for him today. He ended up with a decent finish. Um, but he had those playoff points to fall back on, too, to kind of keep him in the running here. And and you're right. Those guys earned those playoff points throughout the season. Here's what I do like about it, in, 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 and I think it offsets the fact that these guys can relax a little bit when they've got those extra playoff points, um, is that it allows us to th- see – uh, other drivers go up there and, and perform, like Kyle Larson winning, like Ryan Blaney winning um, in in these races and getting themselves into that next round. Uh, and that you're right, this this playoff is going to continue to evolve because as drivers see things like that happening, they've got to strategize and figure out how they're going to manage that. Uh, but I do like that we get to see other drivers kind of shine and have their time in the sunshine, if you will, uh, throughout these playoffs. And uh, uh, it's kind of like the the moniker that they have for the Xfinity series where names are made. The playoffs are going to be where names are made, uh, I think, in the future because uh, these playoffs have really delivered – as far as uh, the entertainment value and the product that NASCAR is putting on the line here. Uh, in, in a lot of respects, the only thing I don't like is that we have seen Kyle Busch kind of lay back, it seems like. We've seen Denny Hamlin. He openly said that today, that he was laying back a, a little bit to avoid uh, getting involved in the big ones. So it is what it is. I, I know they've earned those points. And I will say, every year we see more and more drivers accumulating more and more playoff points to give them that cushion and that ability to have that cushion throughout the playoffs. So you're right. They've earned it. They're entitled to it. They can manage it the way they see fit throughout these playoffs. 
but that also opens the the positive side to that is it opens the opportunity for these other drivers to shine. So I think that's a good thing overall. Andy. Yeah, you know, and the thing about it is that that those points only get you so far. You know, when we do hit the round mm-hmm. of eight, there 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 is no yep. coasting anymore. Um, you got to go win a race, you know, or be the highest person in points behind, you know, the race winners from this round. And we we could easily see three winners from the round of eight, and then you know whoever's highest in points. So that means there there's no more coasting. It's all about going out there and trying to win races. So you know. I like the points cushion because it's yep. a reward for an entire season's worth of success. And then in the round of eight, you've got to go out there and perform. So, you know, I, I think that the current setup is, is good. It rewards the top performers of the season. And, um, you know, now they got to go out there and, you know, they, they got to go win. So I, I think that it's a good format. Jay, did you have a, a new hot topic here? I don't have a new hot topic, but I can tell you this. Uh, as far as the, the Jay Hoosman Cup goes in the schedule, I just conferred with my scheduler, and, and that in part, in part be Andy there, that we're going to address two things, the fan aspect of it, of not liking drivers laying back, as well as keeping a super speedway. We're going to move Talladega into the third round so that it is now a matter of win or not and move on. So thus, you cannot afford to lay back during that race. Not only that, Whoa. but we're going to make it the it'll be the final race before Homestead to throw a wrench into it as well. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you guys are way out there. <laughs> hey, would that not fix the problem? That you, if you're in the third round, there is no way you can afford to take any one of those races and lay back because if you get three winners, only one out of your top guys goes. So. That takes away. There ain't. I'll tell you what. There isn't enough beer in Texas to get me through that race. If that's the case, holy cow, <laughs> that'd be crazy. <laughs> oh, that that race today was crazy. I, I I think it was absolutely nuts. I I want to hear your thoughts about it, Jay. After you watch it, I will. Uh, like I said, uh, I, I kind of scanned through parts of it. I was listening uh, on and off on Sirius XM uh, throughout the day as I was coming home. Uh, lost service in a couple of spots and was out of the vehicle, but uh, it certainly was. And then I had uh, the group messenger there. I was getting updates via that as you guys were talking about it. So I had I had quite the mental picture in my head, and I don't know if the race itself or what you guys had in my head is going to, and what I heard <laughs> on the radio is going to uh, come out the worst for wear. But Jay, I think <laughs> that the race itself, I think that what you watch will be, even better than what we made it out to be. I don't know if you, did you did you DVR it by chance or do you have access to it? Because if if I were you, I'd go back and watch it from lap one to lap one eighty eight because it was uh, yeah, it was pretty good. It was it was, it was typical of a uh, super speedway race to say the least. Actually, actually, from uh, from what I got to listen to and see some results, I think the truck race uh, kind of intrigued me a little bit more. But I know that couple well, race there had some action of its own. Yeah, Ross Chastain, uh, he had some things going on there too that uh, you'll see in the truck race. So a lot of lot of good stuff. Well, I'll be I'll be okay, up for a while yet tonight to catch up. 
Okay, just as a programming note, uh, I mentioned it earlier. I'll go ahead and mention it now as we get ready to do our roundtable. Uh, Spencer Boyd, who won the, that truck race on uh, Saturday, is. we tried to get him on the show for tonight. He was not available. He is available for our Thursday night show, so we will be talking to Spencer Boyd at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday night shows, if you ever want to make sure you tune in for that. And uh, Jay and I will be back, of course, to do the preview show for the upcoming race weekend at Kansas Speedway. And uh, that's going to be a fun one. And uh, we'll start that at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. So, uh, of course, Sal and I will be back on Monday night at 8.30 for the review of the weekend of racing, along with our Hot Topics again at 10. So let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Jay, let's start with you. All right. Uh, You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and looking forward to Thursday night show. uh, Having uh, Spencer Boyd on there on the preview show I think is is a great bonus as we look forward to their next race. Andy? And for me, it's uh, Alasky14 on Twitter. And, yeah, that's, you know, really awesome to have Spencer as a guest on Thursday. I'll I'll be looking forward to listening for that. Um, pretty big win for him and certainly enjoyed seeing, um, you know, him earn his first career win and, you know, the excitement and, and jubilation in victory lane. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to uh, everything that leads up to Kansas next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. I agree with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere on social media. And, uh, of course, fanforacing.com is our website. So uh, definitely looking forward to I do have uh, for tonight, I'm going to be up a little bit late. I've got a lot of uh, uh, stuff to put out here, including Ryan Blaney's uh, recap of his win and then the Monday uh, notebook uh, that we'll put out of all the storylines that go along with that. So uh, fans can look for that to be up either later tonight or first thing tomorrow morning at fanforacing.com. So uh, I always have a blast with you guys on uh, Mondays and Thursday nights for our uh, NASCAR Hot Topics sound off, so I can't wait to do it again on Thursday night. Andy, will you be able to join us? I think so. I'm going to be working um, that particular day, but uh, hopefully, you know, I'm done in time to where I can come on and do the hot topics. It's always up in the air, no pun intended, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, certainly, certainly looking forward to being a part of these shows as much as possible, you know, until the end of the year. So we'll we'll hope for the best and hope it works out. Okay. Well, I appreciate all that both of you do. Uh, Jay, I'm so glad you were able to make it home in time to uh, be on the show tonight. You you and Andy both uh, always add uh, uh, a great perspective to our conversation, and I always look forward to it. So uh, with that, I want to do a shout-out to our listeners for tuning in as well uh, to hear what it is that we have to say. And uh, uh, I look forward to... Uh, uh, you're tuning in to our future shows as well. So thank you for, for doing that. Uh, and with that, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, guys. All right, everybody. All right. We'll, uh, 
hopefully talk to you Thursday. Yeah, we'll uh, talk to you all on Thursday. Good night. Good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.